Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit PlanetBroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome to Serious hey. Issues of Weekly Comic Book Cug <laughs> My name is Andrew Levins. My name is Siobhan Coombs. And uh, today, for the first time ever, we're going to review all of last week's comics and let you know what we thought of them. Whoa! That's an unheard of prospect and concept, concept. Uh, for both a podcast and for something for us to do at the start <laughs> of our week. Um, we do this every single week here at Serious Issues. And uh, last week we did a three-hour episode, um, which I wish I didn't record Because this is like this podcast is mm. like I we cre- I created it for me yeah 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 as like something that I would like to listen to absolutely I never listened to it of course not but so yeah, I, I did a three and a half hour drive and then back again on on the weekend and I was like desperately trying to find podcasts that would keep me interested and basically basically stop me from going insane yeah for that drive to the to this wedding I was DJing at and uh, I was like oh like that that one we just recorded this week would have been perfect. <laughs> If it wasn't me, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would have you would have actually gone insane if you just listened to that episode on the way and then also on the way back. I would have like, yeah, I would have been like, hey, have, we need to stop doing this. <laughs> <laughs> you would have rolled out of the car dressed like uh, the Batman who laughs. When I used to do a lot of uh, radio stuff, I used to uh, do stuff on uh, like a national broadcaster here and on mm-hmm. some other uh, radio stations in Sydney. Um, they used to make you do regular air checks. Which is okay. where you like listen, like for a long time, to uh, yourself and like mm. everything you recorded. Mm. Yeah, and it's it's really really brutal because yeah. they're like they're like you shouldn't be saying that, and it's like all I said was uh like I know I still say that now it's like the one crutch I couldn't get rid of because mm. I always be like uh this is uh coming from <laughs> uh, uh uh the other crutch I, ha- I have is that I will just completely forget words for something or say the wrong thing. Yep, and you can't do anything to stop me from doing that. <laughs> Triple J. <laughs> And that's why I don't work there anymore. That sounds fun. That sounds fun. Just being forced to listen to like I don't think I could handle listening to my own verbal ticks. Oh, it's the worst. I've never listened to an episode of the uh, show, and I never will. Um, for those of you who are, who are familiar with uh, the national broadcaster, I did a bunch of mid dawns there, which is where you stay up um, uh. Uh, overnight uh, with no one in the entire ABC building um, and host a, a show of music that you don't get to pick. Oh my god! So I mean, which is fair enough. You know, they have to. They have a, a station identity, a musical identity to maintain. Yeah, uh, but you would have just played Justin Bieber for like 
Exactly. Hours. Obviously. Uh, I would have performed Justin Bieber <laughs> for hours. Um, but I hold the uh, record. I have a very, very important milestone. Oh, yeah. I am the only person to f- actually have fallen asleep on air. Oh, that's very impressive. Congratulations. Um, yeah. Uh, the breakfast people came in. They were like, hey, what was up with that like 45 <laughs> seconds of silence after that song earlier? And I was like, oh, yeah. I fell asleep. And then there's like this one person that like whose job it is to monitor yeah. like all over the country that ABC's broadcasts are going out. And uh, they saw that ours was dead air for a moment. And I got like a, are you okay in there? I was like, yep, sorry. (laughs) I would have turned it into a ghost hunting show. Oh, that's good. No one's listening. (laughs) Sons of ghosts. How do you, what what would a ghost hunting radio show consist of? Did you hear that? Oh, it's definitely a ghost. Like for five hours. Yeah, for five hours. (laughs) Just going increasingly more insane. And then you just play the Ghostbusters theme. Yeah. Kings is Haunted. Did you know Kings is Haunted? Kings Comics is Haunted. Yeah, absolutely. By what? Um, The ghosts of unsold, uh, (laughs) all new, all different Marvel number ones. Yeah, we've called him Esteban for years. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. What's Esteban's deal? Uh, Mostly just like mysterious noises. Okay. That could belong to like the businesses that work around us. If it's... If it's Ghost. like if it is about like missing biscuits, I would say you can blame seventy five percent of those on me. Yeah, like I come in even when I'm like not recording, I'll just sneak into the back room of King, steal a few biscuits, be on my way. No one Same. will even see me. Duck Same. in, duck out, I'm out. <laughs> just kidding, I do that. I do that, Chris. I do. <laughs> um, so every week we start the show off with uh, a review of uh, all of the number ones that came out last week. We call this segment First Things First, and. Uh, the aforementioned King's Comics, the uh, very haunt- uh, Sydney's most haunted comic book. Actually, that is not even remotely <laughs> That's true. That's not even remotely true. <laughs> there are some terrifying comic book stores in Sydney. Um, but uh, all the comics that we review on the show came from uh, King's Comics. Yeah, of course <laughs> I do. They, like, they're, they're not even like ghosts. Like, the, the, the ghosts that haunt uh, a certain comic book store yeah. in Sydney aren't even dead. No. <laughs> Um, but um, the ghost of the comic book industry from twenty years ago. <laughs> All of the comics that we talk about on the show came from King's Comics Why in Sydney. Why is a woman? Sorry. Three- <laughs> <laughs> Great intro. 310 Pitt Street in Sydney is where you can find all the, all the books that we talk about. Allkingscomics.com. Uh, let's kick things off with first things first. Uh, a very strange week because it was the fifth week of the month, which means we get a bunch of annuals from DC mm-hmm. um, and uh, some, I don't know, like weird scarcities from other publishers. But uh, yeah, DC really unloaded uh, a bunch of annuals and, and specials mm-hmm. on us. So it's going to be a very DC heavy first things first. Um, let's kick things off with uh, something that I was kind of, you know, I was, I'm not sure if looking forward to is the right word. I was very curious as to what this is going to be. Mm. We've been a big fans of the, of DC's young animal imprint, which has uh, started with Gerard way to kind of harken back to the uh, very creative and out there days of, uh, I guess, early nineties vertigo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, for the most part, we, we quite enjoyed um, all of the, the comics that came out in that first wave of young animal books, uh, Shade and Young, uh, what was it, Mother Panic, Mother being, Panic. Our, being, yeah. other, being our favourites. Um, and all of those series uh, ended at issue 12 with the mysterious coming soon Milk Wars. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was an event that we have the first issue of now. It's a bunch of one-shots that cross over um, a Young Animal title with a DC title. And this week we get Justice League of America and Doom Patrol in Milk Wars Part 1. This is written by Steve Orlando and Gerard Way with art by, I never know how to say this guy's name, ACO, ACO. Um, he recently did art on that uh, Nick Fury series that mm-hmm. I liked and Siobhan did not. Um, yep. But the colors on this are by Tom, Tamara Bonvian. Um, and uh, there's a bunch of other pe- people on this book as well. Um, and this is uh, a very, very strange, uh, like the, the Doom Patrol from uh, Gerard Way's uh, book are suddenly transported to a world in which the Justice League of America have been reimagined 
as like characters out of a nineteen like, fifties like wives kind of vibe. Yeah. Yeah. So very keeping up the the wholesome values of of, of, of that era. Yeah. Um, and they're led by Milkman Man, who may or may not be a uh, iteration of Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, this has a very excellent Frank Quietly cover that um, kind of harkens back to his All Star Superman cover, except Superman in this instance is a milkman holding a glass of milk. He's still flying in the air, though. I think the key issue with this is just don't give me don't give me a Frank Quietly cover and then not Frank Quietly interiors. Sure, I mean I know that's normal, but also just don't tease me like that. I know you haven't been a fan of ACO's art um, mm-hmm. in the past. I think this is some of the best work I've ever seen him do uh, in this issue. I enjoyed this more than I enjoyed Nick Fury, but I still have like the same like the, some of the page layouts are gorgeous and like. That's great. He's like a really, really pop art version of like J.H. Williams the third. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, But I find it all quite static and I think that sometimes the storytelling isn't great. Sure. It's hard to follow. Like I read this issue through twice because it is complicated to read story-wise and art-wise. Well, I was going to say, I don't think, I I, I have no problem reading his, I I, I adore his art. Mm. Um, He's rapidly becoming like one of the kind of guys that I will always read whatever he does the art on because I Mm. really appreciate what he's doing. It's very, it's it's always so different to everything else we read each week. Definitely. Um, I think uh, storytelling-wise, eventually I I came on board with it, but like, man, this was just, like, has Gerard Way learnt nothing of about story composition in the many comics that he's done for DC in the last 12 months? He has not. It, this is just so, like, far up its own butt for the most part. Totally. Uh, and, and just insanely text-heavy bits. And it's one of those comics where I was like, okay, cool, getting to the end now. Mm-hmm. And I shouldn't think that about something, mm. like, you know, this great fun, you know, Flintstones, Flintstones meet the Jetsons, but, mm-hmm. like, with properties that I care about. Um and I, yeah, I just, I, I, I thought this had everything going for it, like in far, as far as like, you know, the right amount of hype for a strange, mm-hmm. like, you know, anti-event. Um, and then, you know, the great art team of ACO and Tamara Bombian, who makes, maybe that's a big part of why I like the art so much is uh, she's a great match for, for his art. Um, but yeah, I just, I just found this just like a mess. And Yeah, it's just a mess. And like, Gerard Way is doing his absolute best Grant Morrison impression, but he's just not Grant Morrison. It just comes across as like Grant Morrison's ideas reworked poorly. Like I can like, just see Gerard Way like sit at, at his desk and go, like, oh, got to ride a Doom Patrol. Oh, wait a second. Got to hit the weird switch on. Yeah, yeah, And has yeah, like a absolutely. switch at the back of his head that says weird. <laughs> and, and there's a whole it- bit about how like it's okay to be strange and like <laughs> we're all weirdos. Like, <laughs> like up. yeah, I mean Grant Morrison does weird, but I feel like that's just like that's just him that's naturally. Just him. Yeah, yeah exactly. absolutely. And this just feels like it just feels like fan fiction, and like most superhero comics are fan fiction. But at the very least, like I feel like this is an idea that we have heard before. This kind of like meta fiction, mind control, corporations, blah 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 blah. But then with like a crazy twist, it's all about milk. But then that sort of concept wasn't like. I feel like they barely explored that. The fact that there was all yeah. this mind control milk like that was totally kind of irrelevant to the story almost. It was just like this crazy wacky layer put over everything. And I just don't like, I just, this was such a nothing story, I feel. Yeah, absolutely. I look, I, I enjoyed some of the kind of fun at the end that they have with the mirroring of the different characters in the Doom Patrol and the Justice League of America, which is a book that I don't even read. Yeah, I know. But like, I enjoyed the like, you know, comparing Killer Frost to Casey. 
um, and the parallels as they kind of explain themselves. A lot of that has to do with the, the panel layouts just on those pages. Yeah. It's, it's just really very, very well done. Um, and, uh, you know, even Lobo was kind of fun in, in, in this, like when, when the DC characters actually reveal themselves at the end, I think. Surprisingly well-written Lobo. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I think I will still continue, you know, reading this part of the event. I mean, next we get... Uh, I don't know. I think we get Mother Panic and Batman next. I'm excited um, about that one. And I, I like that Cave Carson shows up at one point in this too. Yeah. It, kind of ma- it kind of makes it feel like, you know, that the imprint is, is, is its own world. Instead yeah. Instead of just a bunch of, you know, books that could be an image. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, look, this wasn't quite a swing and a miss, but it it's something that like, you know, everything is, is lined up for this to be a complete home run. But the main person behind this is the reason it isn't. And you can tell, like, like the, the It's panel... loaded bases and Gerard Way just isn't hitting that, I don't know, any terminology. Sports. <laughs> He's not doing the sports. He's not doing sports right. Stop doing sports wrong. Um, yeah, like the panel where it's like, oh, I'd like to give whoever thought this up a piece of my mind. And there's like a panel where it's clearly Gerard Way as a kid with all Doom Patrol posters up. Like, we get it. We get that you like this. We get that this is your obsession. Now, do something different and interesting because so far, all of Gerard Way's comics have been bad versions of Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol. Except Umbrella Academy. That was a bad version of Really? Well, I mean, it's obviously extremely heavily influenced by Doom Patrol. That's... You think it is uh, not as much? I, I think. Well, maybe that again. It, I've it, never it, read it. You, oh, well, there you go. Fucking hell, one. But I just judge it poorly. <laughs> you are surrounded by people on the internet who complain about comics that they haven't read all the time. <laughs> it's our job to be I better know, than those but people. Just, I, like, it just never very, appealed to me because of that. Oh, I mean, I read it because of um, Fabio Moon and Gabrielle Barr. Yeah, they and, are. And I think a lot of a lot of uh, what makes his comics readable to me is is the art pairing, which is why yeah. I've stuck with Doom Patrol because Nick Darrington on the on the, on the main series does such a good job. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. I think it was just too much. Too, there's already too much going on in a crossover. At the very least, you can write a coherent story, and he didn't do that. Absolutely agreed. Anyway, we'll continue reading this stuff. It's like you know, it's it's not. It's I think I just expect more from it, which is why I'm so critical of it. Yeah, one hundred percent. Then there are other comics uh, that I expect absolutely nothing from, like Silencer issue number one. Uh, Good. The segue. second, the second book of this brand new crop of uh, the extremely overconfident DC in 2018. Yeah, what is go- like <laughs> who are advertising uh, Dark Knight's Metal number six or whatever it is? The f- um, I just saw this here, the, the advertisement for it, the epic conclusion to the best-selling event. Like, get, go right, DC. It's like, I, I just want to like it should be the front cover should just be a picture of Dan DeDio holding his dick. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And just like, the, the yeah, I'm sure we've talked about the like really tragic art splash page for this. Like, the DC Universe just got bigger. DC Universe is plenty big, guys. Yeah. Just there do are... books with those characters. We don't need... Or make like two new characters. Yeah. And, give them a week and, and add two books. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But so we, we last week we got Damage... Oh, two weeks ago we got Damage issue one. Hulk Owlman, which was no good, and I wasn't, and I'm not going to read another issue of that. Red Hulk goes gray. Um, yeah, and so the Silencer is a new book. Um, the creative team is John Romita Jr. and Dan Abnett, um, and uh, I like most of what Dan Abnett does. I used to be a big John Romita Jr. fan, and uh, even though I still read a great deal of books that he does art on, I find his work increasingly sloppy. Um, I think the the his recent stuff with Scott Snyder, that Batman book, was mm-hmm. like like panel layouts and, and action scenes that you just had no fucking idea what was going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
uh, Jim just said it's because he's been doubling up with this in Kick-Ass. Um, so, and then in the lead up to this Silence book coming out, uh, he did an incredibly stupid interview. Um, yeah. Did you read that? No, because um, I just choose to live in my own comics yeah, bubble. Yeah, um, it was just to him. It was basically him saying, "I'm I'm trying my hardest to be as un PC as possible. Yeah. I want to be the least PC person in comics." Like blah blah blah. It's like why? Like who thinks they're cool saying dumb things like that? Um, so going into this issue, I was like, "Oh boy, here we go! Another terrible DC comic." I really liked this. <laughs> <laughs> Look, this was absolutely fine. Yeah, like, I know that's what I mean. I think when you have um unbelievably low expectations for a comic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, wasn't expecting the Talia Al Ghul cameo, and John Reno Jr. draws a surprisingly lovely Talia Al Ghul. So much like our uh, recent favourite comic, Assassinistas, um, yes. Silencer is, uh, she was, uh, I guess, an assassin, or she was, you know, worked alongside Talia Al Ghul. What's their group called again? Mm. It's mentioned a hundred times in this book comic. League of Shadows. Yeah, but he's, she's is not that from it? that. It's from something different. Whatever. Whatever. Um, but now... She's given up her ways of violence and she is just a happy mum. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got one kid. She's happily married uh, to a husband that I guess I think maybe knows of her past, but like, you know, refuses to ignore. I don't, I'm not sure. I guess we'll find that out in, in, in a future episode. Mm. But uh, she has a superpower when she like basically like hushes with her finger over her mouth. Mm. Uh, she puts a bubble of silence over herself and her prey. And then when she clicks her fingers, the bubble of silence goes away. Good mum power. And just like, yeah, actually, very very good point, actually. Yeah, Useful. shut the fuck up, kids. <laughs> oh, wait, I, I, I just closed the bubble. Shh. <laughs> good. Yeah. Good for podcast hosts, too, that can't stop rambling. I was talking about me, not you. I use that all the time. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I, I guess I, going in, I didn't really know any of that stuff. I just knew that this was like, you know, she's a mum and she's an assassin and John Romita Jr. is doing the art. I think this is the best book that I've seen him do art on in like, I'm going to go... I can't think of a book that I liked him more on in like the last decade. Totally. I think a lot of that comes down to the colours, which are by a person whose name I will find now or Good on you. later. Um, I can't find it anyway. But, um, you know, it's it's the usual, like, you know, she has to choose family or returning Being this. an assassin. That's right. To save her life. Will she save her life and therefore her family li- family's life and thus reveal that she is an assassin to her family? Inks by Sandra Hope, colours by Dean White. I think that the way that John Mooney Jr.'s art is inked matters a lot. Yes, I definitely agree with you. Um, there was a recent Suicide Squad arc that he did too that was uh, quite sloppy as well. And this just feels like a lot more care has gone into it. Absolutely. Her um, assassin costume is very goofy though. Yes, definitely. It's got like like a cap. Yeah, it's like a but brimmed you, cap. you can only see her eyes, and it's just, it's got so it's got more pockets than uh, a Liefeld uh, number one cover in 1993. Nice. Um, thanks so much, everybody, for a very obvious comics reference from me. Um, but I, uh, I I'm going to keep with this book. Yeah, I'll read the next issue. Um, it was like yeah, it was like it was just a, it was a competent um, number one for like you know a, a new hero mm-hmm, in the mm-hmm. DC universe. Um, and hopefully we get more of them in the, the next six books from this kind of new, new lineup that we get from DC. Mm. Yeah. So well done to all involved for creating a not terrible book. Yeah. I wish that you and Ethan Van Cyber would let me in your little boy's clubhouse. <laughs> John Mina Jr. We could talk about comics. I think we get on. Uh, so also from DC this week, we've got a bunch of annuals. Um, and we're going to start by talking about Detective Comics. Uh, annual number one. I'm very surprised this is their first annual. But then again, they could just lie to us and say this is the first annual. And who are we to say that they're lying to us? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, How would we even know? Uh, the cool thing about this is that it directly ties into what's happening in Detective Comics at the moment. This uh, issue is called The Curse of Clayface, written by uh, regular series writer James Tinian IV, with regular artists um, Eddie Barrows and um, uh, somebody else. Eddie Barrows. Oh, Eddie Barrows at the art the whole way through, with inks by um, Eber Ferreira and 
Adriano Lucas on colors. Um, this basically tells like a, a retelling of uh, the backstory and the origin story of Clayface, um, which I think I've only ever seen in like the Batman the Animated Series or like a comic based on that. Yeah, yeah, um, I've, I've never nev- actually read the Clayface origin story. So I know, I, I know we kind of speak out about, you know, having stories from the past redone. Um, in new continuity and that kind of being for the most part boring but actually I really really enjoyed this it was quite sweet yeah absolutely I thought it was like they did a good job it was sad um, I like Eddie Barrows we see uh, yeah I love like Eddie Barrows but we see the uh, the origin story of uh, one of the um, members of the victim syndicate Glory Glory um, and, and again more tragedy um, and yeah it's all about you know Clayface uh, was uh, wasn't he was an actor mm-hmm. before becoming Clayface mm-hmm. and uh, kind of then he got a face made out of clay. Yep, which he made himself. History. Yeah, uh, it's you know you know every every step of the way what's going to happen next, but it's done very very well and with a lot of flair, um, excellent art and uh, yeah. and good dialogue. Absolutely, this is what you want in an annual. Yeah, and we got it. Good nice for job, us. thank you. Just like self-contained, but ties in. Oh, yeah. Unnecessary, Se- but adds to the story. Self-contained Lovely. but relevant. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it was good, really, good, really good. enjoyable. Um, so from uh, The Flash, we got uh, The Flash number annual number one, uh, The Flash War Prelude. On the front it says, who remembers Wally West? And to which I said, which Wally West? Because there's good two of them one. at the moment. Um, but uh, I remember like there, one of the most exciting things about that DC Rebirth special all those decades ago um, was the return of Wally West to uh, the greater DC continuity. Mm-hmm. He'd been absent from the uh, New 52. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were so excited about what they were going to do with him. And I feel like I've read very, very tiny amounts of him since that special. I kind of dropped out of Titan, so that's on me. Yeah, yeah. But uh, they kind of dropped the ball with that. I, actually, I feel like I would love to do a um, let's go back and read, not just re- the DC Rebirth special, but also the, um, the Marvel Legacy one yeah, shot yeah, 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 and yeah. see how many of the things introduced in that comic have actually come to a head. Yeah. Because so much of that Rebirth special in particular, like we're still waiting for things to be addressed from that. Yeah, absolutely. From like the multiple Jokers to like, you know, something significant oh, happening with Wally yeah. West being back to, even, yep. you know, we, I know we, we are very slowly getting the reveal of Dr. Manhattan and the Watchmen characters through uh, Doomsday Clock, but they're really taking their sweet time with uh, things that they introduced in the comic that was almost two years ago now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but so this uh, this Flash Annual uh, written by Joshua Williamson with art by Howard Porter, which is my favorite thing about this uh, issue. And Christian Deuce Duce, whatever. Um, is he on Is he on X? On color, yeah. Um, the, this uh, is all about kind of Wally West having an argument with Barry Flash, Barry Flash, Barry, Barry Allen, Flash. <laughs> and the other Wally West, um, and uh, you know, still feeling like he's not his own person and desperate to find someone that he can cling on to, you know, that remembers who he was. You know, he, he's not sure how much of his life is missing and who remembers what. And he still hasn't gone and talked to his aunt or anything like that. Yeah, Iris, because Barry Allen dates Iris West. Mm. I always get confused that Wally West dates like that, that that she's his wife because yeah. what what was Wally's um, wife's name? Linda. Linda. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, there were moments in this where I was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're allowed to do that with your aunt. Uh, part of this uh, annual is set in uh, in the far future mm-hmm. um, at the Flash Museum, which is one of my favorite things about DC totally. Comics. That there's a Flash Museum. Um, yeah. And uh, in the future, everyone's just like, we just love the Flash. He was the best guy. So I got kind of some enjoyment from that. But yeah, basically the whole thing is that this uh, this argument that Wally West has with um, the other Wally and Barry is uh, the beginning of what is going to be a big kind of story in the, in the Flash called the Flash War. Are you, are you excited? 
No. I think this was like not the greatest annual, but like I'll still, I've been kind of dipping in and out of the Flash lately and I will be around for the Flash War. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'll probably read it. I have a question. Who, what is the difference between Zoom and Reverse Flash? No one knows. Are they the same? Are they different men? Who could possibly say they have the same costume, basically? I don't actually want to know the answer to this. Those are like my least favorite Flash character, like Flash villains. Like Flash has so many great villains. Yeah. And and then there's just many reverse versions of him. Or evil. Yeah. Yeah. Bad. I I, I guess the concept of how they are created is vaguely interesting, but like I just, I don't, they just, any, any character, any villain who's just motive is just to destroy everything that the the hero in the world holds dear. Yeah. It's so boring. It's very boring. Like like, rob a bank. That's way more interesting. Agreed. Let's more all rob more banks. Agreed. Um, Deathstroke had the final annual from DC this week. Deathstroke Defiance issue uh, annual number one, um, and uh, this was an incredible tour de force of um, of great art that I normally like. I feel like this is a very dated style of art, mm. but I was really really happy to see it. It really works uh, on this Deathstroke book. Uh, so the uh, pencil, no, the layouts are by. Oh, let's get. I got to find the goddamn. Uh, credits box here somewhere within this. There is issue. something there very John Romita Jr. about this art. So written by Christopher Priest with um, breakdowns by Larry Harmer, um, Dennis Cowan on pencils, and Bill Senkevich on inks. Mm. That's an incredible roster it of, really of is. talent. Jeremy Cox on colors too. And yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, this was a really, really great story. Like I, I, you know, I complain about. Every second issue of Deathstroke, I'm like, I think this is going to have to be my last one of this this, this run because I always forget who everybody is. Yeah. Like Priest loves splitting his characters up like all around the world and only mm-hmm. giving us page like a few pages each mm-hmm. issue on on what they're up to and then just forgetting about it for a while and coming it back and then you get an editor's note like you, yeah, this comic has the most editor's notes of any series I've yeah. ever read. Every second panel, it's like as happened in Deathstroke 27. You're like, I can't remember what happened two issues ago. Fucking hell! <laughs> and then the next one will be like, as happened in De- like Deathstroke 17. Yeah, it's a constant. Um, but uh, I, I really, really loved this issue. This was a great issue because it really got you back up to speed with what was going on in the Deathstroke comic, and like he did a great job of making sure you knew who everyone was, introducing them, having a little bit of character development, but it's still being like a self-contained annual. Yeah, and, and if also you, Power Girl. Yeah, well, so if you don't read Deathstroke, um, basically he's created his own uh, team mm-hmm. of mostly children. Nice. Um, so, uh, Classic yeah, Deathstroke. Yeah, exactly. The, the kid flashes in it and the new power girl who is a girl who was given the power set and money of uh, Karen Star before Great. she returned to her world. Not um, the tits. <laughs> plus you have an extremely horny Terra. Yes. Um, and uh, who else is on it? Then, then it's like Deathstroke's son, Alex, is it? Jo- uh, jo- Joey. Yeah, Jericho. Jericho. That's right. Yes. Um, uh, kid Flash. I already said Kid Flash. Oh. Uh. But like yeah, it's it's a mess of characters that I don't really know much about, and so I think that for me, like that was always like the, the thing holding me back from from, you know, being a hundred percent across what was going on in each issue. But mm-hmm. I think yeah, like you said, that this issue did a great job of like uh, you know giving, to dedicating a good amount of the comic to each character. Also, a great Beast Boy cameo. Yes, an excellent Very Beast Boy fun. cameo. Give and- Christopher Priest. Teen Titans. And so I was like, man, I think it's like one of my favorite books I read this week. And then something happens, mm-hmm. a character. Uh, takes their own life in this comic. Let's leave it at that. I wouldn't say who it is. Um, and I was like, oh, man, what a bummer. I don't think this is my favorite comic anymore. Yeah. And then there's a bunch of ads, and I just thought the issue ended. But after the ads, there's a great little reveal. Yeah. And I've, that just made me so freaking happy. It was really good. It was really, really well handled and like just made me you know, respect Christopher Priest as a writer all the more. Absolutely. Really, really loved this issue. Um, that was great. Yeah, so of all the, uh, of all the annuals that DC put out this week, including the uh, Young Animal one, this is by far my favourite. 
I love it when we agree, agree Siobhan. It's nice. And that's why I look forward to us disagreeing on this one. Yay. Uh, Vertigo this week put out a comic uh, written by uh, our sometimes favourite, uh, Simon Spurrier. Um, oh, I didn't even know this was Simon Spurrier. Well, yeah. And, and you get ready for me to like say the same criticisms I say for almost all of his creator-owned stuff. Yeah. Um, art on this one by Rachel Stott um, and colours by Philippe Sobrero. The name of the book is called Motherlands. And I really, really love Simon Spurrier on like superhero books mm-hmm. and on properties that have like uh like there are rules within these worlds already and their characters are defined and he's working within these parameters and you know he You like he, him trapped in a box. Well no, he cuz he is like he, he is he's got so many insanely cool ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he works so well while well when he works within when he brings his madness to an already established world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When like you know, I, I enjoy the first few issues of God Shaper, which is a book that he put out mm-hmm. through Boom last last year. But it gradually just got so out there for me that I just forgot. Basically, he, he makes his own worlds so insane that it's so hard for me to like. I find the story really impenetrable because of the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I, I've I've never thought that more than with the uh, the image book that he put out. Um, Angelic. Angelic, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, whereas, like you know, his uh, X Men. Uh, legacy book, um, his uh, uh, that hook jaw, that comic yep. about the shark. I loved yep. that. That that was excellent. Um, and even that that two that two part of Suicide Squad that he did recently mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. I, I love all those. But I'm um, always there's always just so many things stopping me from loving his creator own stuff. Um, and so Motherlands this week um, is about a uh, <sighs> bounty hunter. <laughs> That's She's about a bounty, a bounty hunter. hunter. Sure, okay, but like. It's in the multiverse. In, in the multiverse. And, like, it is, like, an insane. Every character looks ridiculous yep. and, like, has, like, bizarre. Like, yeah. Her it, outfit is the coolest. Her, but I wish I could dress like that all the time. Gigantic puffy arm things and a big shield on my back. And, oh, yes, please. And, yeah, like, so every character has, like, you know, like, Weird alien tentacles and, and bizarre growths and, and, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, like, you know, robot stuff. Like, he's an artist's dream to work with. Like, I imagine, like, being an artist and getting a Simon Spurrier script is like, oh, yes, I got to draw the most ridiculous shit in the <laughs> but world. But also, like, oh, no, there's so much detail in yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so the, the the bulk of the story though is about like uh, this bounty hunter that we follow. Um, her mother was also a bounty hunter and a famous one at that, whose uh, whose bounty hunting was uh, documented on a reality TV show. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, her daughter um, kind of is embarrassed by the idea of her mother because her mother was quite crass. Sexy. She was a sexy lady. She got her tits out all the time and distracted her foes with them before shooting them. Yep. Um, and uh, basically, um, in order to you know, capture a bounty that um, we learn is 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 uh, is, is a, it's a big deal. Who this mm-hmm. bounty is, we, mm-hmm. we find out at the end of the issue. Um, in order to get the tech, like basically old technology is the best way to to track people in yep. this bizarre world, and only older b- bounty hunters have access to this old technology, including her mother, who has like a weird um, eye, a cool eye, like a robot eye in her head. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so she, this uh, our main character reluctantly goes to her mother. Um, to partner up, basically, to t- take down this bounty. This, this bounty. <laughs> I love this so much. I did by the end. <laughs> yes, I had to. I, I. It took me like three goes to get through that that first eight pages, just yes. because it was just trying to do so much. So I'm, I'm happy I stuck with it. It definitely won me over by the end, which is what um, some some of his comics have not been able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like, I'm not. I don't. I don't want to put a cap on people's imaginations. I think it's wonderful to read such you like You love incredible... trapping people in boring boxes. <laughs> Siobhan wanted to make this show about the concept of colours. 
<laughs> and I said, no, we're talking about blue. comic books. How do you describe blue? It's I tried to describe me. blue to my baby recently. It's fine. It's really <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, a buddy cop comedy between a mother, an estranged mother and daughter with like the sassiest mum of all time who's in like a little Professor X hover chair with a like long um, cigarette holder. Basically, her and, mother like, is Hunter S. Thompson. sassy face facial expressions like rachel is a rachel dot good lord i love her yeah what a like yeah this is 100 percent for me in every possible sense and i loved it this was so fun i'm gonna stick with it too um i i i think this is uh it, it's not not as guilty um as uh, some of his other recent um creator owned stuff as of just like you know of losing itself in an insane world um, and i think like if you just go like yeah cool multiverse multiverse Bounty hunters, great. But also, like that's it, pretty much all you need. It's to just know a little bit more grounded. It would be so much better to me. But yeah, I don't know. Disagree. disagree <laughs> there we go. It's fun when we disagree too, Siobhan. Um So uh, that is it for the you DC didn't read Hungry Ghosts. Ah, oh, well, that's yeah, not sorry. DC Vertigo. I'm so sorry. Oh, you um, have way more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, ha- I have a thing going on here. We'll get to Hungry Ghosts. Okay, I'm so sorry. Actually, no, fuck it. Let's talk about Hungry Ghosts now. All right. Hungry Ghosts uh, is written by a chef, Anthony Bourdain. Oh, he, he was a chef at one point. Then he was a writer. Oh, at some point in there, he was also a heroin addict. Nice. Which is why he's got such a um, fun and defined, handsome old man face. Yeah. Um, uh, Keith Richards-y yeah. ball sack face. <laughs> um, but he... Uh, as well as being a, uh, a multiple TV show host, mm-hmm. No Reservations, and the other one. Yep. Um, he is a sometime comic book writer and wrote a, uh, I think two books for Vertigo, mm-hmm. co-wrote two books for Vertigo about like a... Sushi chef. Yeah, food in the future, basically. Uh. Um, and uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're amusing enough. Yeah. Um, but he is uh, one of the book first books to come out through uh, Karen Berger's new Dark Horse imprint. Um, Karen Berger, of Burger course, books. used to be one of the, uh, like, you know, most uh, beloved editors over at Vertigo, responsible for many of our favorite Vertigo books, and this is her new imprint, Burger Books. Um, what was Burger Books? No, no. Um, what about Burjo Books? Burjo's catchphrase. Yeah. I think about that all the time. What kind of books would the host of the one-time host of uh, Wheel of Fortune and then the uh, terrible Australian game show Burjo's catchphrase would, would he publish? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Well, you can't just leave it. That. Leave just it. spring that sort of thing on me. Expect me to hey, respond. Go, go outside the box, <laughs> Siobhan Spurrier. <laughs> Hungry Ghosts is the name of a new comic on uh, Burger Books, and it's been written by um, Anthony Bourdain and Joel Rose. Um, and uh, basically, this is a um, an anthology series, a horror anthology series, uh, with art on each story. Um, we've got two stories with art by Alberto Pont- Ponticelli, and um, another final story with art by Vanessa Del Rey, who we've enjoyed quite a lot lately on mm-hmm. um, the Image book, which is called mm. the one that what's Redlands. It? Redlands, we did it. It was all me. Oh. Uh, colors on all the stories are by Jose Villa Villarubia. Um, and for a book that is about mostly Japanese culture influenced horror stories, there's sure are a lot of Spanish people working on this book. <laughs> there are a lot of Spanish and um, American. Yeah, like yeah, I, 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 in I, the so as well as being a chef and TV host and writer and heroin addict, turns out Bourdain's a huge weeb and, <laughs> and loves Japanese culture, loves anime. Um, and this so, is mostly One Piece fan fiction. Um, and this entire issue, I feel like, exists only for the final joke on the last panel of this entire issue, um, which was a, a joke about ball, uh, eat, eating balls. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, 
and 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 so I, up until that point, I was like, "This is a pretty unnecessary series," and like, and then ended on a ball gag, and, and I was like, like nice. oh, "Love it, <laughs> best series of the year." Um, yeah, this was like another sort of like crypt keepery, um, bunch of short scary stories tied together by a, a sort of other weird story. So it's like thing. a bunch, a bunch of like the uh, ice cream man, a bunch of chefs that get together. To do a really big expensive dinner for some criminals. Yep, and then the criminals start telling ghost stories. Um, and the ghost uh, stories themselves, not very spooky. No, not at all. Um, they're kind of you know like horror oddities. Yeah. Um, and very very short. Um, but the idea is that like um, it, it harkens back to um, uh, what's it called? Um, it, it was a game. It was called yeah, Kaidan. K-A-I-D-A-N, a samurai game of the Edo period uh, in which um, the warriors come together and um, you you light a bunch of candles in an adjoining um, room and then uh, you can see the reflection of the candles in a mirror and then everyone sits in a circle and they tell stories, horror stories about monsters. Uh, They tell like a hundred stories all all up and um, basically people keep dropping out out of fear that the, the demons that they tell stories about will come to life and get them. Mm. So this is uh, issue one of four of this, so I doubt we're going to get to 100 ghost stories. There's three in this one. I reckon maybe we'll get 12 at most. Um, and You'd hope so. It's like a mildly amusing uh, horror book. I'm more interested in the like overarching story that brings everything together. I would like for that just to be explored yeah. more than these like fairly tepid ghost stories. Yeah, I, I would like a, a comic about chefs. Yeah. That sounds like it was written for you. This should be written for you, realistically. <laughs> Maybe I should write it. You should write a comic about chefs. Um, uh, DJ slash chefs. <laughs> slash dads. <laughs> Who would read that? Let us know. Serious issues at kingscomics.com. Just me. Uh, so, Hungry Ghost, are you going to stick with this one? Uh, probably not. Yeah. There's something about Anthony Bourdain's smug face that I don't like. So, I just don't it's want to support his. It's the heroin. <laughs> makes you smug. It's the only thing it does. <laughs> Uh, so over to Marvel now, and they put out one number one this week from their Star Wars imprints, um, and this is called DJ Most Wanted, and this is a oh, is this one a shot. About you? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's called Chef slash DJ Least Wanted. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, this is um, a, a one shot about Benicio del, del Toro's character in The Last Jedi. Okay, well, I still um, haven't seen that, so don't spoil it. Who is like one of the kind of silliest characters uh, in a. Movie with a few silly characters. That's nice. Um, this is written by Ben Acker and Ben Blacker, um, who have done. Oh, I like them. Yes, yeah, so mostly good stuff for Marvel since they did some of there, and they did a good, decent boom book too. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, most exciting about this is that the art is by um, uh, the very, very good Kevin Walker. Ah, lovely. Um, with inks by uh, Mark Deering, and that's the uh, artist team who uh, have been doing the bulk of Doctor Afra, um, mm-hmm. and uh, colors in this one by Java Tartaglia. Um, so this uh, is like, you know, a, a pretty unnecessary book. It basically, when, when we meet Benicio Del Toro's uh, character, he's in a jail cell. And so this uh, one shot basically gives a little bit of uh, a glimpse into the madness that is this character's life. Um, he actually doesn't get given a name. So I, I can't remember what DJ refers to, but he's, he doesn't actually really have a name. Right. Um, what is da it? Da Jedi. Da Jedi. Thanks, Jim. <laughs> um, know, how about it stands for dumb Jim? Oh, <laughs> good. Um, uh, so uh, yeah, so basically, it's like basically him kind of like pitting different uh, casinos against each other. He lives on this casino planet, right. resides in this casino planet, and he's a hacker, uh, and so he's able to kind of uh, make the make the luck fair on his side by hacking casinos and getting 
you know, gambling to work in his favor. Cool. Um, but the life like this means you have lots of enemies, and so we see him pit his enemies against each other. And uh, as you could guess, this ends up ends with him in a jail cell. Right. Yes. Um, and it was okay. Um, the art was fantastic. Kevin Walker draws some some great new figures that we've not seen in the Star Wars universe before, but they don't feel completely out of place. He does a pretty good job of um, doing like cartoony Benicio del Toro, which is excellent, and that's what I want to see in Star Wars comics. Not a horrific photo referential mm. like. Uh, artwork that we see in some other Star Wars comics that would have me going like, is that from like Fear and Loathing? Is that from like, <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, the, the worst thing about this is that Benicio Del Toro's character has, in the movie has a speech impediment. A stutter, oh no. And uh, it means that we get lots of just badly written speech impediment moments, mm-hmm, like lots mm-hmm. of badly, bad stuttering. Like um, at one point he says, my man. And instead of studying on my, he stutters on man, but you've already made the M sound for my. So wouldn't you, isn't, doesn't, isn't that how stutters work? I don't really I don't know. know. Yeah. Let us know how stutters work, everybody. <laughs> um, Siobhan in particular, because I clearly, <laughs> I know more than she does and she needs to know. I want to know. So, uh, look, Star Wars, DJ most wanted. Um, it's not the, it's definitely not the most wanted. It's definitely not the least wanted. Somewhere in between. Nice. It's fine. I guess. Great. DJ. Fine. <laughs> Um, but also from Star Wars this week, from through a different publisher, um, we've been getting these uh, Star Wars Forces of Destiny one shots uh, that have been basically telling like a little a little story about different female characters in the Star Wars universe, um, and I've been covering each one of them over the last six weeks. Largely, they have been fine. Five weeks. Um, and oh, well, this one looks cute. Well, the first one was excellent, and the last one, which is uh, about Rose and Paige, two, two other characters from The Last Jedi, so funny that we get two two uh, one-shots about characters in The Last Jedi this week from very different publishers. Uh, this is out through one IDW. Um, yeah, Rose and Paige, is, uh, this is uh, um, the, probably my second favorite of these, uh, with all the ones in the middle being largely forgettable, and I think just give them a pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been written by Delilah S. Dawson, with art by Nicoletta Baldari, um, and that is the main reason. She's the main reason. Baldari's art is the main reason you should give this book a shot. Very it's cute. Beautiful. I, I, kind of, I feel like we've described a lot of the art in, uh, in these books as like, um, you know, kind of mid to late 90s Disney animation. And this mm-hmm. looks very much like, uh, you know, Milan yep. in parts. Um, it's beautiful, vibrant colors. Um, kind of looks paintedly like a, like a kid's book in parts as well. Yeah, yeah, almost like a golden book. And the story is just like, you know, these are all all-ages-friendly stories. Um, and uh, this is, you know, kind of on the nose, all-ages in parts. Like there's an adventure involving weird animals. and um, But at, in the end, it's basically all about Rose uh, trying to prove herself um, and uh, win over the favor of uh, General Leia. Lovely. Um, and uh, it's, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a really, really sweet um, story, a good one shot, and uh, my second favorite after the very good um, uh, Elsa Charitier written um, Princess Leia comic. Mm. Cool. So, yeah, it started well and it ended well, and everything in the between you can pass. Nice. And that is why you listen to this podcast, so we tell you what's good and what's not. If you disagree with us, the best thing for you to do is to head to facebook.com slash groups slash serious issues podcast. And uh, give us a piece of your mind. Please. Let us know what we got right, what we get wrong. If you disagree with our opinions, uh, there, we have a group in which uh, thousands of comic book readers just talk about comics all day long. Mm-hmm. And uh, Siobhan and I are often in those conversations, joining in with you, uh, defending ourselves. Absolutely. Uh, also, if you want to disagree with us, that's cool too. Come, yeah. come agree with us online. Come tell me how great I am. Uh, so that's first things first done for the week. And now we move on to the most exciting part of my so week. So you also refuse to read Stretch Armstrong? Yeah, there was a, there was a Stretch Armstrong number one, and I all my memories of Stretch Armstrong is this stupid toy that you had in like the nineties and stretchy arms. Yeah, but he was like he was like 
it, it was like it was like basically his, his arms were like the like like thick balloon rubber, okay. and then he was filled with like rice, and nice. so you could like stretch his arms out, but only to a point. Yeah, and there's and rice going everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so and he was just kind of like this like weird muscle man. But now this comic Stretch Armstrong and the fighters out through IDW, uh, it was like he's like a kid. Oh man, yeah, I looked at it and I went, I can't do this. Yeah, I didn't either. Nice, good. Um, so. Uh, we're going to play a game called uh, Roll the Dice for Image, Marvel, or DC. I think I have two Image books, two DC books, and then about 50 Marvel books. Yes. So, yep. Um, let's roll this dice. If it one, rolls a one to two, it's Image. If it rolls a uh, three to four, it's Marvel. Five to six is DC. And six first, so DC first. Two. So, DC, DC image, image, Marvel. Oh. Fun. Let's do this DC review right now. Um, Dark Knights is the... Uh, Dark Knights Metal, that is, uh, the big DC event. Uh, we heard that it was a best-selling event from the, uh, from the extremely proud DC, DC comics. comics themselves. Um, and it's been written by Scott Snyder with Greg Capullo uh, alongside Jonathan Glapion and FCO Placencia, which is the uh, award-winning beloved team behind uh, the New 52 Batman run. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, this uh, comic is... Just Scott Snyder um, reimagining the DC universe as an energy drink <laughs> and allowing his his badass friend, uh, Greg Capullo, to draw whatever crazy dark constructions he can come whatever up with. Whatever middle-aged men who still love Iron Maiden think is cool. <laughs> Active diss against Jim. <laughs> um, before we shit on this comic, because yeah. I assume you're going to too, let's just think back to uh, when we got the preludes to this comic. Mm. And how excited we were for it mm-hmm. because it it really just seemed like Scott Snyder just playing with all the things we love about um, about DC and mm-hmm. bringing things back that we hadn't seen in a while mm-hmm. and uh, you know he was really celebrating everything in the DC universe including things from Vertigo and like uh, at, you know at one point yeah, the Sandman, Sandman was in was this, in this. Um, but it, this is just kind of like delved into like this like again it's another 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 writer trying to do his best Grant Morrison impersonation yeah. but a really dark grant morrison impersonation but again a middle-aged man's idea of what dark is yeah um and so we have like these batman from the dark multiverse that resemble other dc characters but it's batman gone wrong and they're taking over the world and you have superman and an old batman uh trying to do what they can to stop them and, and it's all to stop a giant bat demon god from coming into our universe and making everything evil batman yeah just right? pooing have you, seen, have, you ever, have you ever tried to scratch bat poo off your car that's what barbados bat, 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 barbados is going to do to us <laughs> he's going to poo all over our cars damn it like for a comic that has so many things in it that i love like we we get to see guys we get to see martian man no, but this, this, that's what made me the most angry about this yeah. though like it is it is a comic with martian manhunter and mr terrific and plastic man like, and all these things that I absolutely love about the DC Universe, and they've just done a really, like, it's, it is boring more than anything else. Like, I feel like saying that Martian Manhunter's in this book is not actually a spoiler. No, because it's been the, everywhere. It, well, I mean, no, I just mean in general, because, I mean, this is a character, a beloved DC character, one of the main members of the Justice League for, like, generations of people, and he's been missing from DC Comics for how long now? Like, midway through the, through the New 52, he just kind of just... Vanished. Martian Manhunter. Yeah. Uh, they got rid of him he, in like Brightest Day. No, no, no. He's been around since then. Really? Yeah, he, he was... They they made him part of the Stormwatch book when 52 oh, came back. Yeah. And then he was on the Justice League of America book that Lemire was writing for yes. a while too. 
Um, but then that, those both all that got cancelled, and he kind of hasn't been seen. And certainly, he has been completely MIA for all of Rebirth. So we thought, like, you know, they've been. Big reveals recently. They were like, "Oh, this has got to be Martian Manhunter." At one thought, we thought at one point we thought that's who um, was posing as Clark Kent in, in Action Comics, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that would have been a really rewarding reveal. Totally. Um, not that it, you know having it be Mister Mitzel Spitlick wasn't rewarding in its own way, but you know I was like, "Okay, cool. If that's Mister Mitzel Spitlick, they must be doing something really big for Martian Manhunter." And midway through issue five of Dark Knight's Metal, with no fanfare whatsoever, a a bird creature that we haven't seen at any point in this series, to my memory shows up to Green Lantern and um who is it Mr. Terrific? Yeah. Um out of nowhere and is like maybe I can help and then morphs into Martian Manhunter and then it's like oh he's back now. Yeah yeah and, and everyone's he... like John we haven't seen you no, in ages. Not everyone, two people. Oh, That's Hal. the only like it just Hal and Mr. Terrific yeah. and then like he doesn't really do anything for the rest of the issue. Yeah. What the fuck is the point of that like have him like fucking kick Barbados in the dick and he's the winner of Dark Knight's medal. That would be cool. Yeah, imagine how big that dick is and then to see Martian Manhunter like, morph into a big foot and just fucking womp. There were some funny moments in this. Like, there are some funny little, like, Wonder Woman's like, I'll give you five reasons not to do that and then punches someone in the face. Like, the five reasons is her fist. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Yeah. And Hal Jordan is like, well, I'll find Starro's butt to kick even if he doesn't have a butt. Yeah, that's that funny. funny. And, and then we learn that Starro has five butts. He has five butts. Don't ask, we're told. <laughs> But um, I would love a uh, a one shot explaining why Starro has five butts. Totally, these are the comics quite, that would sell. Yeah, I would quite like a Scott Snyder Greg Capullo Wonder Woman series. I think I think Greg Capullo draws like a really fantastic Wonder Woman. Yeah, I definitely. And I think would they give make her like fun. Well, she's the that's the absolute highlight of, this, of the issue is Absolutely. all the Wonder Woman stuff. Um, the Superman and Batman stuff is just woeful at this point. Like, I, I just them just wallowing in in. in Failure. I enjoyed this issue more than I've enjoyed the last couple of issues, but that's still like I I was just, fairly faint praise. I was so dirty at the uh, the Martian Manhunter return yeah, yeah, yeah. and it not being this big spectacular. He's back, motherfuckers! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah make it a bigger deal. Make he, it a bigger deal. Like, and, and he didn't even eat, a, eat, a, eat an Oreo. What's the DC Oreo equivalent? Choco. Chocos. Was, where were the Chocos? Where were the Chocos? Maybe that's Why the- are you making Black Adam such a boring villain? Like I feel like, yeah, he's a morally ambiguous character. Exactly. He would, he would, he would probably side with Wonder Woman. Absolutely. Strange. Very, very strange. strange. Very there's silly. one issue left, but before that, we think we get a bunch more one shots. God. They're really stretching this event out. Good lord. <laughs> it was a bad week for events. Marvel are going to cop it so much worse than Dark Knight's Metal this week. I can't wait. Um. So the other DC book I read. Um, oh, nice. Actually, no. You you read one in regular okay. continuity, so you can. Oh, I guess semi regular. Um. There I read- are DC characters in it. Yeah. <laughs> I read book two of Mystic U, which is kind of like, um, oh, what was that other, Gotham Academy, all grown up yeah. vibe. Um, so it's like... But wait, hold on, wait. So you read book two of Mystic U. Yes, I'm sorry. So otherwise known as Mystic U2. Nice. So this is yes. a book about Irish pop sensations U2. Bono getting, getting magic, magic powers. powers. <laughs> and finally ending hunger. And, and, and the whole book is about them finding Star Wars Five Butts. And then um, finding magic to put that one album on everyone's iPhones without anyone knowing. When that oh yeah, that's a whole book. Oh, yeah. that's a good. That's a good story too. That's we should pitch this. Good. Absolutely, Dendidio, put your dick down. Get on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> so this is written by Alyssa Quitney with art by Mike Norton, colors by Geordie Blair. The art and the colors definitely my favorite thing about this book. Um, so it's sort of like all these magical DC characters going to Magic University. So it's mostly about Zatanna and then also about uh, Felix Faust's son Sebastian. And there's a weird blobby guy, and there's a guy who's a Sikh, who has a ruby, and then also Enchantress slash June Moon. 
That's right. And they are just learning about life and love and magic. Um, I liked the first issue of this and I said I would read the second one and you didn't. And look what's happened. I know because I'm a total sucker for this sort of thing and I, I love being made angry about things. I quite like this, but then there's also this ongoing element of Zatanna keeps being punished for like... There's a lot of not-so-subtle allegories about, like, drinking and promiscuous sex. And I really hate, I'm really tired of the trope of, like, Ooh, a girl kisses a boy and then everything about her life goes to shit because women shouldn't have promiscuous sex or something. <laughs> you know, like, it's it's just not, it's something that we see all the time in this kind of um, genre. And I just think it's, like, a bit exhausting. Like, let fucking Zatanna have a bit of fun, everyone. So this is written by... Um Alisa Quitney, who is a, I guess, a YA novelist. Yeah. And I feel like th- these are just... Definitely reads like that. Yeah. Oh, she's done a bunch of graphic novels too, actually. Okay. Sandman. Huh. No Man's Land. Wow. Huh. Crazy. Wow. Ah, there you go. Bunch of stuff. And she's not a YA... She's a comedy romance novelist. Oh, well, there you go. Um, so, I was going to shit on YA novelists, to make, writing comics and bringing all these themes that I don't like to comics, but... <laughs> Um, yeah, it's very, like, coming-of-age stuff. And in this issue, we see Zatanna being convinced to join a sorority, but then the sorority are actually made up of, like, uh, like, bee people, and they're, like, join our hive mind. So it's, like, super unsubtle, kind of, like, <laughs> be individual, don't fuck that guy, don't drink at parties, blah, 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 blah. Um, but I'll still read it, because I'm a dummy. Cool. Cool. I um, think it could go somewhere cool, I just... Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm tired of those specific themes. Like, Yeah, sure. Drinking from a flask, being a bad girl, blah, blah, blah. Drinking's cool, comics. Yes. Stop telling us otherwise. Yes. <laughs> no, but just like, you know, just for once. Just for once have a female character who's not, you know, punished for smooching a boy or drinking. Yeah, totally. Just for once. Just for once. 
That's all um, I ask. So through Vertigo this week, we got Astro City issue number 50, which is actually the, the 107th issue of uh, Astro City since it the started. The big 107. Uh, but yeah, the 50th issue since uh, Vertigo started publishing it. This is uh, written by Kurt Busiek with uh, um, most of the art by... Um, so on, on this issue, he does it, but I mean, the, the full run, Brad Anderson um, has been like kind of the, the main artist on this run since it started uh, however many decades ago. Um, and I think just two decades, maybe. 25-ish? I don't even know. Um, anyway, this uh, this issue, um, for, for, to celebrate 50 issues um, since this run started, uh, they go back to one of the most beloved issues of um, Astro City, and that is, is um, issue number half. Okay. <laughs> which was, I think, a free issue or, or a reduced price issue that came out like in the very early stages of Astro City, um, and it was called The Nearness of You, mm-hmm. which won a bunch of awards, and it's uh, a frequently kind of uh, reference. Like, whenever anyone asks for, like, what's a great one-shot um, you know, it's a given. You could actually you could grab at you know any 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 number of Astro City issues for that um, for that purpose. But the nearness of you is kind of a beloved beloved story that mm-hmm. uh, I think is free on Comicsology um, oh, wow. at, at all times. If you want to read it, you should definitely should. If you want a taste of what Astro City, this fantastic um, you know love letter to to superheroes by Kurt Busiek, who has uh, written uh, countless superhero comics mm-hmm. um, for both publishers over the years. But this is him. Like Basically, Astro City is less about the superheroes in the city and more about everyone in the city. So yeah. at one issue, you'll get a comic told from the point of view of someone who just got powers and it's like, you know, him telling a kind of like a... Uh, you can you can kind of go oh he's doing like a flash style story but it's in his world mm-hmm. but then the next issue will be like um, the guys that work at the call center that make the that that when people are in distress they call the call center and then and they get in touch with the heroes and what's a day in her life like oh cool um, and so th- this issue um, is all about a man um, who we first met in uh, the, the nearness of you um, mm-hmm. as he lost his uh, his wife. Um, and uh, it's basically it catches up with him, and he now runs a support group for people that have, yeah. uh, have you know, either been injured or lost someone uh, through the actions of being in a town with many superheroes and supervillains in it. Also known as Orphans of X, also known as the Victim Syndicate. But this is a, just a support group, like in the same way Alcoholics Anonymous is a support group. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the book open, the issue opens with him buying donuts, and uh, then you know you kind of see him, you know, kind of introduce you to each of the members of his um, support group as they enter and he catches up with them and we, we see what an average day in his life is like. And then there's a fun cliffhanger at the end that I'm not really sure what it, what it directly relates to, but um, I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. This is a great series. Um, and to be honest, any issue of Astro City, almost any issue of Astro City is a great one to pick up and start reading. Um, uh, it's one of those comics that you should definitely, at some point in your life, read all of. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, sure and, and, and it's still coming out once a month too. Um, this is a very, very fun and good issue. Oh, really? How much longer? Jim just said not for long. Oh, that's right. Of course. That's right. Two more issues of Astro City coming out in singles, and then I guess it's going to be an annual graphic novel. That's clever. Yeah. I feel like more people are going to start doing that. But he really, really... This this series benefits from like the, the 24-page format mm. and him telling a story within those boundaries. But who knows? I'm, 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 he might do writer. something really cool with the new format. Yeah. I haven't really seen any comics that 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 have that have said they're going to do that come out with a graphic novel yet though. So mm, true. Um, where are you, Sex? I miss you. <laughs> sex was a comic, by the way. <laughs> so those are our DC reviews. 
Um, and now we're going to talk about uh, the two image books we read this week, starting uh-huh. with a book called Void Trip, issue number three, written by Ryan O'Sullivan with art by Plaid Klaus. Love Plaid Klaus. So good. Love saying his name and love looking at his art. Yes. Um, this is, uh, we keep mentioning it, um, either Hunter S. Thompson or Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas throughout this episode, or mm-hmm. I keep doing it, but this is uh, like a futuristic drug-fueled um, trip, void trip, if you will, yes. through space um, as uh, two drug-addicted trippers mm-hmm. um, uh, um, without, like, a kind of a, a, a chased by someone they don't realize is chasing them, but he's uh, he seems to be out to kill them. As they just kind of stumble from place to place without really having any direction. Um, but with a lot of weird fruits that uh, make them hallucinate. Yeah. So um, you're never quite sure what's actually happening and what's a hallucination. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, this is a brilliant issue. Yeah, it's a really good issue. Um, they, they go to... Euphoria, where they, mm-hmm. you know, they are expecting to find everything that they deserve in this world, mm-hmm. um, and then they find out that um, it's a fascist robo state because the, the the humans that did live in here were, you know, had such privilege that they built robots to to um, to do everything for them, and then when there was disagreements, they built robots to fight a war for them, and then when all the humans died out, the robots kept fighting because no one told them to stop, um, and it's just uh, like, a, like a shitty robot war planet. Yeah. Um, Great. And, and then there's a there's a Snake Plissken cameo, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, fun fight scenes and violence and uh, and some good drug jokes. Yeah, I really enjoy this. This is like a weird stoner action space sci-fi movie, but without being like <laughs> yes, drugs exactly thing, kind of thing. It's like which is what I thought the first issue was. This yeah. has actually grown into a series that I I'm, I'm really glad I stuck with. And yeah, these characters quite enjoy. are really fun. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, uh, this will be out in trade, I guess, in two or two or three more issues. Um, but keep an eye out for it. We'll be reviewing it uh, as each issue comes out. It's called Void Trip. Out through Image now. Maybe you can track down the first three issues. And if uh, anything, what we've been talking about sounds up your alley, definitely give this one a shot. Yeah, and you can. I'm pretty sure we have all three issues still at Kings Comics. So you oh, can great. get those through kingscomics.com. Amazing. Um, Underwinter, um, a field of feathers, um, which is the uh, very strange horror series. Um, or is it? Yeah, unsettling kind of. Yeah. Um, horror um, series by Ray Fawkes. He writes and draws this book. We got part four of uh, the second edition of this, which mm-hmm. is called A Field of Feathers. Um, and the first um, series of this was all about a bunch of like a string quartet mm-hmm. that are forced to play for what they find out to be demons um, blindfolded. Yeah, like uh, a scary Ibis God man. Yeah, and how that affects their lives um, mm. and why they do it. I mm-hmm. know, it's, it's very strange. Um, and then the second one is seemingly completely unrelated. Um, it, this has been a um, a man on the run with his children running away from their mother. A, the mother who is like turning into like a bird a scary demon. demon. Yeah. Scary bird. And um, Ray Fawkes has this like watercolor minimalist. Mm-hmm. I don't know if minimalist is the right word, but he, it's. It's, it's very. It's li- not like traditional comic book paneling most of the time at all. Yeah, um, it's definitely an acquired this is taste. The most uh, conventional issue, I think, of the whole series. So totally, far. where he has it's basically like a, a, a long discussion between um, two new parties that we that we meet in this issue, um, um, and uh, why they've done what they've done in this story. And uh, I found this very very awesome. Yeah, very very good. Very hard to read. Very sad. And creepy I liked it though. Yeah, as well. super creepy. What's yeah. going on? Who are these people? Why is this bird demon everywhere? Yeah, we have to remember this when everyone in- inevitably asks us for horror comics um, in October. Yeah, um, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this has been probably of all the because we, we we get probably read a horror comic a week. We mm-hmm. read two this week, mm-hmm. um, and this is 
easily my favourite of all of the horror comics that we've read since this uh, podcast started. Underwinter. Yeah, Check it out. Is this, is this the final issue of this? No, no there's one more. Right, cool. One more of this arc. And Love that, it. Hopefully it just keeps going because if this is his like anthology series without actually calling it an anthology, it's just him running like, you know, weird horror stories that I'm yeah. very on board. Absolutely. Just get all those creepy dreams out of your head. <laughs> yeah, like it's not grotesque. It's just kind of like unsettling and yeah. eerie. Yep. Which is what My horror should be. Yeah. Um, so those are our image reviews. Now we move over to a big stack of Marvel comics and some fun uh, complaints about one of Yay. the worst events I've read. Um, that is a big call. I just There are some terrible events. Remember Convergence? I didn't read that. I read the, yeah. <laughs> uh, the books that... I read the... Convergence was like a DC event that you could just skip the event, event yeah. entirely. Just and then read the, the tie-ins. There were a bunch of cool spin-offs where they had um, creators returning to the worlds that they hadn't mm-hmm, done. And also mm-hmm. you had Greg Rucker doing a... Um, question book. With, uh, with, yeah, Question and Renee Montoya and Two-Face mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and Batwoman as well. That was awesome. Yeah. Um, no but- one else but me read the one about the Atom where Deathstroke gets a tiny hand. If anyone else read that, please, please let me know because I feel like I, I had imagined it in a fever dream but it definitely existed <laughs> and there was a brilliant Jeff Parker written Shazam book mm, yes that well was too. excellent that's why I think like, so when you say that, that that was bad I'm like oh no that was good but yeah <laughs> no, it was a bad event <laughs> I didn't read the actual event yeah um, <laughs> most events are better if you don't read the actual event I guess like, look I guess it's not like you know I guess it'd be very easy to say this is fine this is definitely worse than fine uh, it's called Phoenix Resurrection. We got the fifth issue of it this week. It's written by one of our favorite writers of the last few years, uh, Matt Rosenberg. Um, there's art on this by uh, a group of artists uh, doing as quick as quick a work as they can. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lynn Francis Yu and Joe Bennett with uh, inks by Jerry Alanguilan and Bellardino Bravo. Um, there are some hilariously bad panels in this, though. Yeah, and uh, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. And this is about the return of the original Jean Grey, a character that people apparently like for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, she's like, the Phoenix has put her in this weird dream world mm-hmm. to ready herself for bonding with the Phoenix again. Yeah. And it's up to the X-Men to break into their this weird Phoenix world and help her escape it. Yeah. But she can escape it on her own, guys. And it's one of those dumb comics where it's like, hey, we should bring Jean Grey back even though there's a... Like the young Perfectly version of her, good version of her already um, here with better hair. Um, <laughs> um, and Evans loves a good bob. I love that. I love that bob. Um, but I, I just kind of just wish that, like, there there are some times like it's just like this entire story exists just because they wanted the original Jean Grey back. Yeah, of course. When it could have just been a, a, like an editor's note, like, "Yep, that's Jean Grey. She's back now." Yeah, oh, Ed. as if comic books. <laughs> I know. Uh, nerds would allow that and i know that's on me like i could just not read this but yes. but i expect a lot from matt rosenberg because i haven't read any comic he's written besides this one that i haven't liked and especially because this is something that he apparently pitched this wasn't like editorial yeah. going we need this let make it happen he was like i want to tell this story and you'd kind of hope that if this was a story he really wanted to tell they could have spent a bit more time and had a more consistent art team because i think that would have made a huge difference to the end result of the book as it is it comes across as extremely hastily thrown together yeah. and not especially well thro- thought out. And I think it's a solid concept. I like the idea of Jean being stuck in this sort of... Phoenix world. Although we've seen a, quite a bit of that recently with like Pleasant Hill, etc. But, you know, like it's it's not a bad idea. Um, but I think the execution is sloppy. Um, there are some of my favourite stupid panels of the week uh, yes. in, this, in this issue. Um, uh, most of them were of Jean Grey having an argument with... Uh, 
a sad looking phoenix. Yeah, bird yeah, yeah, a really sad phoenix. Bird. Bird. He's like, oh, nobody likes me. Every <laughs> I, time I try and cuddle someone, they catch on fire. <laughs> I just wanted to destroy this whole universe with Eugene. Why won't you help me? Who gives? Um, I like it when um, he implies that the best version of Jean Grey that has ever existed is the one from Graham Morrison's New X Men. Ah, true. It's pretty yep. funny. I feel like Matt Rosenberg is a Grant Morrison scan. Um, anyway, um, in, in the Phoenix world, uh, in order to keep her there, um, the, all the dead X-Men um, are, like, are in Jean Grey's world, including Scott Summers. Um, and like she says goodbye to Scott Summers. And then <laughs> the book ends with, the retur- with Jean Grey returned in her like classic kind of costume, mm-hmm. Marvel Girl costume. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, just a dress. Yeah. And uh, you've got you've got Beast, <laughs> you've got Kitty Pride, you've got Old Man Logan, you've got Iceman, you've got Storm, all standing around her. And then just next to her, <laughs> in the rain, is the decayed corpse of Scott Summers. <laughs> Why didn't they just stay in the weird Phoenix world? Why and everyone's she- going, welcome home, Jean. And no one's acknowledging the scary corpse right like, there. Yeah, the Nosferatu cyclops <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> I'd honestly not notice that. The it's first such time a ridiculous it. panel. It's very, it's very silly. It's a full page. It doesn't really matter. How sense. did she bring back the corpse from. F- Why was the corpse in there to begin with? It's a great call. I don't know what happened. And also. No one knows what happened in this. What happened in this? Literally nothing. Yeah. So Jean Grey's back, everybody. And she is also back in issue 11 of Jean Grey. Yeah. Except not the Jean Grey you're thinking about. The one with the cute haircut that Levins wants to date. Um, I just want to date her hair. Just <laughs> um, this is written by Dennis Hopeless um, with art by Victor uh, Ibanez and Alberto Albuquerque. Um, I loved this run mm-hmm. by Dennis Hopeless um, up to now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why it ru- they ruined it with this um, stupid tie-in. Um, the final, the issue 10 saw Jean Grey, young Jean Grey um, reduced to a skeleton um, and destroyed. And then this sees her like uh, sent to hell and she battles a bunch of demons and then it's like this another like weird like battle through X-Men timeline bullshit that we just see way too often in X-Books. And I know I shouldn't read them if I, if that's a problem for me because mm. <laughs> they love doing it. Mm. Um, but again, like the comic just ends with like, you know, like, oh, yep, she's back now. So now there's still two, like they had the perfect opportunity to get rid of this Jean, this, and just like make it easier. Just have one Jean Grey. Like yeah. she's not... Like, I understand when there are, like, you know, really important legacy characters. Like, like hell yeah, have a bunch of Spider-Man. Like, totally. people love Spider-Man. But, like, why the fuck do we need two Jean Greys? It's not even a superhero yeah. name. Yeah. It's really not. Like, if there was... And there are, like, fucking Jean Grey legacy characters. Her name's Rachel Grey, and I still don't understand who she is. <laughs> but, like, why, why do we need two versions of this, like character whose original role was the only girl X-Men. <laughs> yeah. The only girl on the team. But, like, when you see this character from this book reduced to a skeleton and, and sim- like, you know, seemingly mm. destroyed, like, why undestroy her? It, it, it actually makes it more difficult now that she's back. Absolutely. It's also a waste of a really good costume. <laughs> yeah. This costume, the cra- young Jean's character design is, like, great. Yeah, who did it? Was it, um... I don't know. It looks like a Jamie McKelvey yeah, design, but I don't know Yeah. Um, anyway, so the, the the Jean Grey thing. I don't know what, what which book is Jean Grey going to appear in now. I know old Jean Grey is going to lead an X Men the X Men Red team. Yeah. Um, who knows what's going to happen? But who I just thought, cares? This is was more a, this was real stupid. It was real silly. Um, and uh, now we move over to another silly event. Yay! Avengers No Surrender is the weekly Avengers book, um, and we got issue number six hundred and seventy eight of the Avengers, which is part four 
of Avengers No Surrender, uh, written by Mark Wade, Al Ewing, and Jim Zub, with art by Pepe Larraz and um, colors by David Curiel. We should do a, a rating of like a ranked 10 to 1 of our, our top 10 favorite artists and colorists. So we'll get basic comic book creators that we love to say the names of. Yes, please. Um, and uh, Pepe Larraz would definitely be in there. Who's the one is Ariola? Yeah, he's, Ulysses Ariola wins. Yes, good name. He's number one for sure. Um, um, I think I have to stop reading this comic, though. Oh, really? Don't you think it's boring? I think it's boring. I think it's like, like this is the definition of fine for me. Mm. It's like just like, like, it's like, like sugary breakfast cereal. Just that, Avengers doing things. It's not good for me or my brain. Yeah. But it's just like, oh, yep, same old Avengers doing the same old stuff. Here we go, doing it again. <laughs> like, <laughs> and like every, you know, there's like an impossibly big roster of characters in this book, yeah. which means each character gets a spotlight each issue and you just like, yep, yeah, cool, all right. Oh, yeah, all right, sure. I wonder if he's dead now. Probably not. All right, see you next week. Like, And it's also just like a dumb, like, battle worldy concept. Yep. Yep. I, I totally hear that this is, this is definitely not a good comic. No. Um, but I enjoy it. Good. I'm, I, and you're definitely welcome to drop it and I can yeah. surmise what happens in each issue for you and you will not regret dropping it. Yay! But I'll stick with this one. Excellent. Good deal. Um, so we got issue 101 <coughs> of Tales of Suspense this week, uh, but we've only read this is the second issue of, of this run uh, that I've ever read, and uh, it is because uh, Matt Rosenberg um, uh, brought this book back for Marvel Legacy. Fuck! And I dropped the recorder. Oh no! It's still recording though. It's fine. Oh, it's just on the floor now. Thank goodness. Um, so if this uh, episode sounds floria, now you know why. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, for the Tales of Suspense, um, issue 101, we get part two of five of Red Ledger, which features Hawkeye and the Winter Soldier teaming up um, reluctantly to find someone who is or isn't posing as Black Widow, mm-hmm. who may be alive and also may not be alive. Also, every time I read a book about her being dead, I forget that she was dead. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. She died in Secret Empire. Yeah, that was dumb. Yep. Um, but uh, this book, written by Rosenberg with art by Travel Foreman um, and colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, um, is perfectly enjoyable. I mm-hmm. think uh, Matt Rosenberg does a great job of writing, uh, like drastically different in uh, in their dialogue. Um, uh, Bucky Barnes and uh, and Clint Barton, mm-hmm. but in Bucky, like Bucky narrates this book, and you find out through the narration that they actually are quite alike, and that Bucky does have a goofy side that. Mm. He resents Hawkeye for having so much, but he he has one too. Absolutely. So that's cute. Yeah, I think Travel Foreman's art is not at its best in this issue. There are some wonky faces, well, especially um, Hawkeye. Hawkeye's. Yeah, the one of him eating the sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that that's my problem with Travel Foreman's art in general, though. He will do like eight great pages and then two just completely shit pages. Yeah, it's weird. Um, I think it's just like he's, it's his style. of he, he does, he, There are some scenes that he does better than others, I think. Yeah, totally. 100%. And there's some great pages and, and great great art by him in here. But yeah, I agree with you. There's some, there's some wonky wonky bullshit. Uh, but this is pretty enjoyable. Yeah, definitely. As a fun it has kind Hawkeye of, picking his nose. Yep. As a fun action comic, I think this is really, really fun. And I think a lot of it has to do with uh, Rosenberg's uh, great understanding of the two characters and what makes their interactions funny. Absolutely. And like it has some cool, weird Russian spy stuff at the end. Yep. I'm on board. I like yeah, this. Yeah, me too. I'm enjoying this, this little uh, Good, silly, fun. mini-series. Did you read uh, issue 191 of Moon Knight this week? I sure did. Uh, so this is uh, the new legacy run. It's written by Max Bemis with art by uh, Jason Burrows um, and colors by uh, Guillermo Ortego. So inks by Guillermo Ortego and colors by Matt Lopez. Um, and um, this is uh, about Moon Knight finding out he has a daughter 
um, through the actions of one of his split personalities. Yes. And uh, he now has to save this daughter that he has no recollection of creating or, or, or raising um, from uh, the clutches of uh, he, one of his newest, mo- newest, most powerful foes and one of his oldest foes. So, mm-hmm. the, the Bushman and... Uh, is he just calling himself Ra, the bagger? I think so, yeah. Sun King. The Sun King, the guy who can create fire with his eyes and hands and his body, I guess. Um, I didn't like the last issue. I enjoyed this issue, though. This is a good, fun issue. Yeah. It is, like, so silly. This is such a silly book. And it's definitely, like, the funniest Moon Knight comic I've ever read. Yeah. And there's a great moment of Moon Knight listening to a Dazzler record on the floor with his new daughter. That was Cute. Very cute. Yeah, really, really sweet. Um, What I liked about this, uh, the ending of this comic is that um, we get Frenchie back. Yeah. And Frenchie is, you know, Moonlight's uh, kind of partner and friend. Uh Um, And he's just a regular guy. Yep. Um, who helps out Moon Knight on missions, and um, we get yeah, like he this, might be a zombie. Yeah, well, that's yeah, the, the the reveal that he's coming back, and then he, he opens the door, and Frenchie is fucked up. <laughs> Frenchie is no good. So uh, yeah, I, I think this is yeah they're, they're mining a lot of fun ideas uh, in this comic. Absolutely, I like the whole sequence where Bushman is like um, accidentally being forced to reveal his like eating problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they, they they break someone else out of out of prison. Who I, I'm sure if I've read every issue of Moon Knight, like some of our listeners definitely have. Shouts to the Into Forces the Night podcast. To reveal their truth or something. Yeah, I don't know. Good fun. Is, yeah, pretty fun. Fun comic. And I love Good the issue. art on this. Gorgeous. Yeah, me too. Yeah, really Boris great. Is doing great art. Great Beautiful cover colors. too. Yeah, really, really good. Highly recommend that one. Uh, so now we're going to go to uh, a trio of Bendis books that Siobhan probably I didn't read one read of. Any of. Oh wow! Not even Jessica Jones. Oh yeah, I did read Jessica Jones. Ah, sucked in. Should we talk about that one first? Oh my god. Jessica Jones, issue 16, written by Brian Michael Bendis, uh, with art by Michael Gados and Matt Hollingsworth. Now, Bendis, this Bendis corner, it's notable because there's not many Bendis corners left. Mm. Um, it's going to uh, become a Bendis circle any second. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. That's right. There's not many, many Bendis Marvel comics left. So, I guess the corner, will, will they're moving the corner from uh, from New York to... Is, it, oh, wait, is, is, is Bendis going to move to, to LA? I don't know. To Burbank, where uh, the DC offices are now. I guess so. That's crazy. I didn't even think about that. Mm. I wonder if he is. Um, but, it's like the uh, NBA trades. Uh, I have not been uh, enjoying this Purple Man um, plotline that they have been doing um, in, in the last few issues. The Return of the Purple Man is the mm-hmm. name of this arc because it's basically like, you know, like, you know, Jessica, who now has a family, has had the Purple Man kind of take over the minds of her husband and her daughter and now her best friend, um, Captain Marvel. Um, and he, you know, all he does is just make people punch themselves in the face and kill, kill themselves and yeah. just you know, command, he can command anyone to do whatever he tells them to do. Um, but there is a twist at the end and I was like, oh, maybe this can go somewhere good, I guess. Maybe. Yeah. Um, so we might be seeing a, a, a purple man trying to do good. Um, and that, that'll be the way this arc ends. I don't know if redeeming this character is what he's going for. And if I'm, I think that's a good idea, given what he's had this character be responsible for in the TV series, not so yeah, much the comics. Yeah, he seems like a pretty, like, unredeemable character. Yeah. Irredeemable. Um, but uh, I don't know. I think this could be... A, I, I, just, I think ending Jessica Jones on a positive note is what you should do with this comic. Because, I really hope he does. Because she just gets dragged through the shit so often. I think that's why I don't love this book. Mm. It's just like, oh, great, more miserable shit for Jessica Jones to have to drink her way through. Absolutely. Um. Yeah. yeah, and this is just like, it is just a book of like talking, which is like the easiest Bendis critique to make. Yeah. And so I'm going to make it. It's a lot of talking. 
Um, so The Defenders this week, um, that's another book written by Bendis uh, that features Jessica Jones. Um, it's The uh, Defenders as you saw them on Netflix, not as you read them in many, many issues of Marvel Comics over the last few years. Um, we get Daredevil, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones and Iron Fist teaming up for this book. Uh, so it's if you written- like boring, watered-down versions of the characters you love. Um, this issue was really good. Oh, yeah? And I think if you were going to remember this these final Marvel years of Bendis by anything, I would definitely recommend this book being the one to, to, uh, to nominate. Yeah. Um, uh, so Bendis does this book with David Marquez on art. That's a big part of what makes this book so good. Um, but it is like a c- celebration of all the street level Marvel characters. So you have like um, Punisher in, in this arc as well. Um, this book also features um, uh, one of the very long running gags in Bendis uh, Marvel books is uh, whenever you see a police station, um, it's Bendis is being arrested. <laughs> um, and at this point he, he's staring at the camera yelling a 17 year running gag is not easy to pull off. Which is amusing. It's really good. <laughs> um, but yeah, you've got Misty Knight in this. You have Electra in this. And uh, I thought you would have picked this up because look who's on the cover, Siobhan. It's White yeah, Tiger. Yeah, I know. I, you know, I did actually pick it up. And then I was like, why did I pick this up? And I think that they mind controlled me into picking it up because <laughs> White Tiger's in it. Um, but this is a really, really cool issue um, dealing with the, um, uh, what's his name? Diamond Head. Diamond Back? Yeah. Now he um, can make diamonds. He is diamonds. Wait, so you did read this? No, I didn't. No, all right. He's not diamonds. <laughs> he's just very powerful and he's trying to be the new kingpin. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, there's like, it's, it's great. It's like a celebration of the not just the street heroes, but the street level um, villains as well. Right. Um, and uh, I'm really, really enjoying it. I think, it's, I think it's like a really, really fun book. And he lets all of the characters, not just the four of them, but like all of the you know, support characters and the villains like have like cool shining moments in this. And at the end of this issue, it, it ends with um, like you have... All the villains, you've got Black Cat, you've got Titania, mm-hmm. you know, you've got like Electra, you've got Misty Knight, you've got Echo, White Tiger, um, Spider Woman's there. Like, it's just like so many Marvel characters in the same vicinity. Um, it's really fun. It's really, really fun having them all there, and it, but it not being this big event. It's just like, you know, the day to day life of what it's like to be a hero in the Marvel universe. Yeah, cool. It's cool. It's really enjoyable. Um, so, the final Bendis book I'm going to talk about is The Invincible Iron Man. Um, See, I thought you would have said this was the one that you liked the most of his no, recent stuff. No, I've decided I don't like this run anymore. Yeah. I really li- enjoyed when he was doing two Iron Man books, um, but in issue 596 um, of Invincible Iron Man, uh, so where he was previously doing one book that was all about Victor Von Doom now trying to be a hero, mm-hmm. um, and the other one being about Riri Williams becoming um, a new Iron Man suited hero. Mm-hmm. Um, then he's now doing both of their stories in the same book with different with with the same art team coming along for the ride. Mm-hmm. So it's Be- Bendis working with Stefano Caselli um, on the Riri Williams stuff, and then Alex Maleev is here for the um, uh, Doom stuff. And then all the while, you've also got Tony Stark, who is returned, but no one knows where he is, and. He hasn't moved or done anything yet. He's just lying on the ground having Still. visions of people. So in this one, you have like this long conversation with him and his dad. And it just feels like like the progress on this is so, so slow. And then there's just enough that happens at the end. You're like, oh, no, I'll keep reading this. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it, it, like we just get like these tiny little glimpses of each story. But what's keeping me reading this is that um, of all the the heroes in the Marvel Universe um, who show up to potentially mentor Riri Williams after um, Stark HQ uh, have confiscated all of her iron suits because they claim that, that you know, she's uh, uh, violated, you know, Stark property law or whatever by having them. Uh, um, uh, uh, which, is, which is a fun little arc to do. Like, she, now she's, you know, she has nothing but her smarts. Yeah, yeah. Um, a Marvel, you know, hero, in mm-hmm. inverted commas, shows up to train her now. 
I'll, Can I have clues? Yeah. Um. Uh. Well, he, I'll, I'll give you this. He's he's uh, he's a he's one of Marvel's black heroes. Luke Cage. No. Like 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 think like what the fuck? Okay, sure. Manifold. No. Okay. It's it's another. It's a it's a hero that was recently who had a very short cameo in um in Defenders recently, and I was disappointed that it was just a tiny little cameo. Blade. Blade. There's never enough Blade in so, any comic. Why is Blade mentoring Riri Williams? I don't know. He, but basically, he's he showed- like the thing about vampires yeah. and tax returns. Are. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, we, we we get Blade in. Uh, like you know, I, I just complain about how hard it is to read this book because you get so many glimpses into the, all these you know what were big mm. uh, plots, and it doesn't really feel like they, they move anywhere forward with it. Now we have Blade in the mix too, but I guess that's that's still fun. In 2018, I would like Marvel to give us a Blade comic yep. and a White Tiger comic. Mm. I feel like I will get neither of those things. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I would say Blade comic is... Like, people love Blade. People love Blade. Everyone loves Blade. He's great. We've got that weird he was on a team book. Yeah, that was bad, though. Yeah, it was give me bad. a good Blade comic. True. Um, guess which character has Blades? Wolverine, that's who. All new Wolverine issue 30 came out this week, uh, continuing the Orphans of X storyline. And this is written by Tom Taylor with art by one of my favorite yes. artist discoveries. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I, may, I may have read things of his in the past, but I'm really taking notice of what he's doing with this book now. His name is Juan Cabal and great colors as well by Nolan Wooded. Um, uh, and this is yeah the story of uh, X-23, who is now Wolverine, and her friend Gabby, who is now Honey Badger. Her clone. Um, her clone. Um, and she's teamed up with all the other Wolverines um, to take down the Orphans of X. And would you believe they don't do it by killing everybody? They do it by talking. And normally that is insufferable. But this was really, really Perfect well done. in this. Tom Taylor is doing such a phenomenal job. Yeah, on this. I really return feel like my emails. Tom we, Taylor. We snubbed him. We didn't <laughs> give him the uh, the option of uh, of, of voting for him as uh, voting for this run as the one of the best best Marvel runs of last year. It is exceptional, though. I feel like yeah. he's done some unbelievable character development. Like I feel like we've seen Laura in this in this book because she's obviously not been a teenager for ages, but we've seen her like become a woman. She's mm-hmm. no longer a teenager. She is a grown woman, and that is so cool and so rewarding to see yeah, and I love it. definitely. And I think like ever since Juan Cabal came along um, as artist, the book's never looked better, but yep. I feel like it's also never read better. He's, Absolutely. They're, they're a really, really good match, those two. Um, yeah. <clears throat> you owe it to yourself to catch up on this series. I feel like you could just jump on board when whenever the Legacy run started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just jump on board with the Orphans of X story arc and you will 100% get what's going on. Especially if you've been disappointed with the Mutant, the, uh, sorry, the X-Men books uh, over mm-hmm. at Marvel. Mm-hmm. This is like far and away the best X book. Yeah, exceptional. Me. Love Dakin, love Laura, love Gabby, yeah, love the whole team. Just it's so great, and there's so many fun moments. Like yeah, having, having Gabby be this like you know she doesn't. It's not so much breaking the third wall, but like every fourth now wall. and then when she's when she's uh, fourth wall. Sorry, um, has anyone ever broken the third wall? What is the third wall? <laughs> Talking to each other. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, the, yeah, like, at one point, um, Laura throws a shield um, into the back of someone that's trying to escape, and. Um, Gabby goes, oh man, you Captain America, and yeah. the, the back the the back of the panel is uh, like all uh, you know stars and stripes. Stars and stripes. It's brilliant. It's so really good. good. So good. Some really fun fun panels in this. Definitely, I love this this series. It's and so I love good. her cool like armor suit thing. Yeah, which is like embedded with the souls of her friends and family. Yes. Fucking so good. Very cool. Very, very cool. Um, one really dumb comic that I read, and I don't really understand why I did, but I read the latest issue of The Incredible Hulk, um, 712, written by uh, Greg Pack with Greg Land. The Gregs. <laughs> um, good Lord Greg Land does some dodgy, weird anatomy. That's all. Don't read this comic. 
it was fine. Why is Amadeus Cho still the Hulk? Like, I don't know anyone that likes Because the other him. Hulk is dead. I know, but... Isn't he? Why no. is he not dead? He, he, When's he, he not dead? He came back in something. Oh, well... Civil War 2. Wait. I can't remember back that far. He died in Civil War 2. Oh. What was the last event then? Was he back in Secret Empire? Secret Empire? They had a Hulk. This is good content. Yeah, Yeah, it's great. (laughs) Arguing about something that we could probably just Google. Anyway, I don't really even know why I brought that up other than to be like, Greg Land doesn't really know how to draw men because obviously he's not watching male pornos. Greg Land, watch some more male pornos. Yes. Uh, The Despicable Deadpool. Deadpool, um, Issue number 20. (laughs) <laughs> issue number 293 came out this week. Did you read this one? I did. Too? And this uh, saw basically Rogue um, coming to take down Deadpool to bring him in for his crimes. Um, and uh, This has some funny jokes in it. Definitely. He writes a funny Deadpool. It makes um, me laugh. Written by Jerry Duggan with art by Matteo Lolli, um, inks by Christian Dalla Vecchia and uh, colors by Ruth Redmond. Um, and uh, yeah, basically this sees uh, Deadpool uh, returned to New York with a helicarrier. Um, with which he's spray painted. Uh, I destroyed Shield, and all I got was this stupid helicarrier on. And the NYPD below are like, "Look, if you just ignore him, he'll go away." Um, but instead, he uh, he faces off against Rogue, um, and the two of them kind of argue about not just Deadpool's crimes, but also about their <laughs> you know would be a relationship and yeah. whether or not Deadpool had a chance. And- this really made me laugh in bits. She goes, I'm here to take you in. And he said, well, if you don't mean that as a euphemism, then I'm afraid I have to go. That made me laugh <laughs> a lot. Um, yeah, but now it, it ends with uh, Rogue having failed uh, at taking down Deadpool, uh, coming face to face with uh, the man who plans to himself, and that is Captain America, who Deadpool blames all of his recent misdemeanors and uh, failings on. So mm-hmm. that'll be a fun arc for sure. Yeah, this was a really fun issue. It's Thanks, Feveron, uh, for guilting me into reading Deadpool, finally. It's great. I'm enjoying it. It's all good. Uh, finally, yep. That was one it. Last, one last Marvel comic, Punisher the Platoon, issue number five. I believe there is one more issue of this left. Uh, this is written by Garth Ennis with art by Goran Parlov and Jordi Belair. Um, this is uh, this is uh, set in Viet- during Vietnam, and it's kind of like um, it's all about Frank Castle leading his platoon and uh, the, the the initial flashes of how meticulous and his military training becoming a part of what makes the Punisher tick, um, you know, the, the, the first signs of that that we see in this story as we see um, all of his platoon members who have survived the war, all grown up and old, all aged and grey-haired, um, being interviewed by um, a, a writer um, and retelling um, their stories from the war featuring Frank Castle. Um, and... This was just like the art is is phenomenal, especially this one, which is a mostly action. But again, it's like when I, when I say it's like an action based war comic, it's not like you know limbs getting shot off and like yeah, yeah, you know yeah. constant bullet fire. It's you it's know all strategy. It's all strategy and 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 uh, you know in this one we learn like the 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 source of all their problems comes from like their communication. Uh, batteries have been like bartered away, so they've only got dodgy ones that don't uh. charge. And like, just like, you know, like things that you never hear about in, I've never like, you know, like weird problems. Like boring war stories. Yeah, but it's told really, really well. And and there's a huge amount of tension as we kind of go, we kind of get to get to the crux of, um, of uh, Frank Castle going um, up against the, uh, a a soldier, a Viet Cong soldier. And um, as well as being um, told from the point of view of, the soldiers in this platoon, we also every now and then get interjections with like the other side of the story from um, 
uh, the um, the general from from like a Vietnamese general, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's it's a really really interesting and compelling story showing both sides of of, of a war that everyone re- agrees was a bad idea, mm. um, and an embarrassing blight in the world's history, um, and this one has the Punisher in it. Cool, <laughs> <laughs> really serious comic about Vietnam, but also the Punisher. It's really really good. Um, it's excellent. It's grim. It's hard to read, but it's excellent. <laughs> Those are our Marvel reviews. All that is left for us to review is all of the other publishers this week. And uh, we have the, some finales to get through, including the final issue of uh, Valiant's Eternity series, which was written by Matt Kent with art by Trevor Hairsign, Ryan Wynn, and David Barron. Uh, this was the series that comes off the back of three series of Eternity. Divinity. Divinity. Fuck. Uh, featuring um, the, the main characters from Divinity trying to rescue their child, mm-hmm. who they learn was never theirs to begin with. And their child means so much more than a child to them to the rest of the multiverse. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a really, really... like I feel like you could make comparisons between this and like what they're trying to do with Dark Knight's Metal, except this is just so much more enjoyable. You know, it's a, it's a super out there cosmic concept yeah. that like, you know, doesn't hold back from being absolutely ridiculous, but mm-hmm. they really sell every ridiculous thing. As, this is, and it's a dead serious book too, which I normally absolutely. don't like, but... I think it's just, got so much heart. Yeah, it really is. Uh, this is a great finale with excellent, like you know, eye popping, crazy art. That at one point, um, you see uh, over the course of, of two pages, it, it breaks down. The col- it loses its colors, then it loses its inks, and it's just pen, pen, pencils. Then it's just the breakdowns, like the initial yeah. blue inks, and just then the script. And then you just see the script. Yeah, and I, don't, and I only did this one page. I really, really enjoyed that. It was a really effective kind of uh, way absolutely. Of, yeah. It's meta without being like... We're meta. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm doing something meta right now. Guys, have you noticed how meta this is? Looking um, at you, Gerard. Wee. This was a, a really, 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 really strong finale to this uh, really, really great series. And it looks Absolutely. like they're already setting up um, future uh, sequels to Eternity. Yeah. Which I'm sure Just we'll keep get. doing these forever. Just these cool four-issue little minis about these characters in this world. About cosmonauts yeah. with cosmic powers. Read it forever. I would read it forever. I love it. Really, really good. It's funny that Matt Kent does this and also the Exo Manowar book, which is as super serious, but this doesn't get dull, whereas I found that very dull after a while. Yeah. It's all just about war, how great war is. <laughs> Boring. Um, the Beautiful Death was a book that we quite enjoyed uh, that was published uh, through Titan Comics through their Statics Press um, uh, imprint where they reprint uh, mostly European comics. Um, and this was a, a French book uh, written and drawn by Mathieu Bablet. Um, and it was about uh, three boys at the end of the world, the last surviving men on Earth, mm-hmm. um, as uh, everyone has been destroyed by bugs. Um, and it got weirder and weirder and weirder. Um, and we find out that like the, the queen bug is able to control the humans and like mm-hmm. cre- they're able to create fantasy worlds in their final moments. Mm-hmm. And uh, what did you think of the ending of this? That was a really bleak ending. Yes. But then there's like a bonus ending, which was less bleak, but still bleak for the characters. There was a bonus ending? You didn't see the last couple of pages where like, it's like 150 years later. Oh shit. I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at that. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. Sort of <laughs> in a sense. This creepy bug kid. Uh, I really liked this ending. I thought it was like a... It wrapped it up really nicely. Like, it got so weird. This book got so weird. One of the characters is, like, taken over by bugs, but he's, like, still being carried along in this, like, big 
bug bowl, but you can still see his face. And then he's like, oh, my underpants are too tight. And so the bugs like tear his underpants off. And he's like, oh, that's better. Yeah. I'm like, what? What was that moment for? This is so weird. <laughs> but I liked it. <laughs> yeah. It was a, a very, very strange and cool comic. Yeah. Um, Bizarre. Yep. Um, check it out. It's out through Titan. Um, in May, the, uh, the trade comes out through Titan Books. You know what we're getting this week as well? What's that? Jazz Maynard, um, Series 2, Issue 1. Fuck, yes. That's exciting as hell. That's exciting as hell. Oh, I agree. Yeah, that's great. Um, so, uh, a book that is almost finished is Lazaretto, a book that we've really enjoyed from Boom Studios. Oh, I assumed this was the final issue. Oh, was it? Oh, maybe it wasn't. Maybe, oh, wait, maybe it is. Oh, let's see. Should I look up Lazaretto Issue 6 while you tell us who the creators of this book are? So the creators of this book are... Um, Clay McLeod Chapman, illustrated by Jay Levang. Um, and this is like really <laughs> full-on body horror, coming-of-age, college, zombie, quarantine, meltdown stuff. Yeah. Um, that's mostly to do with, I feel like, campus rape <laughs> <laughs> issues, but in um, told in like a very, very compelling, not-on-the-nose way with some of the most horrifying pages of any comic i've read recently yeah the kind of comic that if it like it could only exist in a comic because if they tried to make a movie of it everyone would cry forever yeah and it very very like uh manga horror influenced i feel like with totally with the skin peeling off yes creepiness ito vibes yeah definitely um, and uh, yeah, so this this definitely was the, uh, the the final issue of this. I don't even. I, I guess I kind of it it ends abruptly enough. Like it, you got you get closure from the main part of the story, but then I thought they were setting up something else with yeah, uh, right, right, right. the separations of the two main characters. No, that's just the end. Oh, bleak. Yeah, real <laughs> bleak ending. Very like if you were hoping for a happy ending from the series, you are going to be disappointed. Which is funny because I feel like when it started, it was almost comedic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like really positive and like all about like, oh, frat guys are the worst. And then it ends up like, frat guys are the worst. Death comes for us all. <laughs> well, so three, how funny of these three series, the, the least bleak is the one where uh, a family have to give up their child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but to save the multiverse. That's right. true. <laughs> um, but I would recommend all three of those series. Absolutely. And they're all going to be collected in handy trades um, in a couple months. Yeah, great. Go check them out. So there were, um, what's this one called again? Eternity, The Beautiful Death, and Lazaretto. Real good. Excellent. Um, issue three of four of a miniseries called Long Lost, um, written by Matthew Ehrman with art by Lisa Stirl, came out this week. Uh, this is a, uh, a, a an independent book coming out through Scout Comics. Um, with uh, incredible um, black and white art by Lisa Stirl. Um, Gorgeous. It's, it's about two sisters. Um, it's by a, a first-time writer of comics, I think. Um, and I think this is the first thing that he has published in sort of a mainstream sense. Right, sure. Um, and uh, it's about, yeah, a reunion between two sisters uh, surrounded by uh, spooky goings-on. Yes, and like weird stuff to do with their family and their mum, but we don't quite know what's going on there. Really, really scary, but great. This is so good. I love this book. Me too. It's an excellent book. Long lost. Um, And I think we can talk about it in in more depth when the fourth issue comes out. Absolutely. Um, But uh, you should, uh, yeah, try try and find this one. Absolutely. uh, I know Kings have copies of each issue. Um, but uh, it's uh, it's it's something different. I think I think um, <clears throat> Matthew Ehrman really nails the uh, the dialogue between the two sisters, yeah, who are kind of like closed off to each other about a lot of things, but also they're sisters, so there is a kind of just like forever openness about other things. Yep, absolutely. Um, I, I enjoyed this a lot. 
Me too. I think you don't get many books that have like a good interpretation of like sister relationships. That's not something that we see explored a lot. So I think this was like a great sisters slash scary body horror manga influenced. Good, good, excellent. I liked it. Yeah, me too. Uh, on a much lighter note, Quantum and Woody, issue number two through Valiant Comics, uh, came out this week, written by Daniel Kibblesmith with art by Kano, um, who I would say is quite quite similar to ACO. I know. Um, What's going on there? Uh, but they, they still are very unique in their own way. But like, yeah, like they, they love doing like very fun. I mean, I think it, it, Kano's layouts lend itself so well to Kibblesmith's very comedic writing. Yeah, I saw, absolutely. I saw this week um, Kibblesmith tweeted about uh, being compared to Chip Zdarsky. Oh, really? Um, and then Zdarsky like quoted him about being compared to Kibblesmith. Like it was it was a cute little cute. back and forth. Very cute. Um, but yeah, Quantum and Morty is uh, like yeah, a long, long-running uh, comedic uh, book that Valiant have been putting out with uh, various creative teams over the, over the years, um, and uh, it's about um, two adopted brothers who have to uh, clang their bracelets together once a day, or else they'll explode. Yep. But the bracelets give them superpowers. That's right, and they hate each other, but they also love each other because they're brothers. like all good siblings. Um, and uh, this just like just kicks into like. What's the highest gear? <coughs> 69th <can't>. gear. Um, <laughs> and uh, it just like really just bangs on the craziness and without being like annoying. Um, it's it's really, really fun comedy with lots of quite big laugh out loud moments. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but the um, the plot is very engrossing and fun. It feels like a massive kind of like action thriller um, with all this goofy comedy inside of it too. Yeah, and the next issue they're going to Australia, so who knows what that's going to be like. I love Let's that. Let's hope it, hilarious. I love that it says like next issue, um, Quantum and Woody down under, and then there's like an editor's post-it note underneath it saying we are not calling it that. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. Like, I know this is a slightly dorky point, but as someone with adopted siblings, it's like weirdly nice to see that represented in comics because you never see like mixed families and stuff like that. And it's, I don't know why it's just weirdly nice. Well, normally, yeah, normally <laughs> you have to get it through Batman. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Do you, do you, is that why you like Dick Grayson so much? Not the butt. Because of the adoption. Yeah, absolutely. Because of adoption. 100%. percent <laughs> the only reason I like it. Um, so, Batman uh, is a very flawed foster carer. That's very true. Would he? Would you reckon he would pass the tests? No. Damn. Would you even let him like look after like a, like a, a seeing eye dog before he gets sent off to... <laughs> absolutely not. Um, so the final book that I skimmed through this week, I just want to look, give it a little mention, is mm-hmm. Black Crown Quarterly, issue number two. Oh, I didn't read this. <laughs> Is out through um, IDW, the imprint that uh, has given us Assassinistas, which mm-hmm. I really enjoy, um, and then the um, what's it called, um, Kid, Kid, Kid Lobotomy, Lobotomy that I didn't love that much. No. Um, but we got Punk's Not Dead coming out through this imprint very soon, and we get um, something from the creators of that within this. It's like an anthology of um, there's like mini comics and then like interviews with the various creators that are involved in the um, imprint. And some cool stuff like that, um, and uh, yeah, there's some there's some definitely some cool art in here and some taste of what's to come. I thought this is a better a better quarterly than the first one we got. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so uh, that is, that is all the comics that we're going to review for you this week. Nice. I'm sorry if you expected us to do a three hour episodes every week. Now that just ain't going to happen. Please don't make us do that. Siobhan has uh, the upcoming releases in front of her. Anything? I do. Anything good? Uh, well, I just wanted to because um, next week is like. Uh, like Valentine's Day shit is coming out. Valentine's so, Day shit. It's next week, everybody. I'm very excited about Twisted Romance issue one coming out from Image Comics, which has um, 
I can't remember who's doing who's writing it, but it's Katie Skelly on art, and it looks phenomenal. If you like romance comics, I really, really highly recommend checking checking that out. There's also going to be Young Monsters in Love from DC, and what else is going to be romancy? Some cool stuff. Alex DeCampi is writing Alex DeCampi, because of romance. That's, That's going to be great. Oh man, look at those covers! I know it looks <coughs> oh, so wow. gorgeous. And um, Carla Speed McNeil is doing one. Yep, and um. Vita Ayala is doing one. Yeah, I think it's going to be... It's just a quarterly standalone romance comics thing. I, it, ugh, I can't imagine anything more up my alley. We also get the first issue of Versus, which is the new... No, no it's not quarterly. It's oh. weekly. Oh, it's weekly. We're getting we're getting four of these in this this month. That's Even awesome. Even better. That's so cool. They, 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 if you go to imagecomics.com, uh, you can see all the covers and they're all brilliant. Yeah, it looks really gorgeous. Um, and we also get the first issue of Versus, which is the new Kirkman uh, Esad Ribich book which also looks cool unreal yeah awesome um oh we're finally getting that yeah oh cool i thought it was gonna be a while we get yeah there's, there's also the swamp thing winter special mm-hmm. which i look forward to hearing siobhan complain oh, about next God. week apparently it's like one of the most heavy-handed things he's ever done from uh early reviews Why and the uh, <laughs> the mother panic batman special um gene gray will be seen in x-men red number one mm-hmm. um and uh yeah a bunch of other stuff bunch pa- of stuff guys. paper girls jasmineard Black Batman White Knight. Mechadet You. Extremity, the second last issue of that. Oh, cool. Um, so, yeah, lots of stuff. Uh, looking Zombie forward. Tramp. <laughs> no, really? Yeah. I'll read that. Do you not? <laughs> it's up to issue 43. I'll read that. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite number. Um, thank you so much for listening. If you want to find us online, you can find us at facebook.com slash serious issues podcast or our group is facebook.com slash groups slash serious issues podcast. Um, very soon, we're going to be recording some extra bonus content, which you can access at our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash serious issues podcast. There's about 10 hours of extra podcasts there if you would like to hear more of us reviewing graphic novels and the like. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what else are we doing? I don't know. Newsletter. Newsletter. Another newsletter soon. Um, and and then uh, we can find us on Twitter yes. at serious underscore issue underscore underscore issues two underscores. Um, and Siobhan is at Siobhan CBG. I'm at Levdog L A V D A W G. Listen to my other podcast, Hey Fam, which is all about podcast. Which <laughs> yeah, my podcast is about, about podcasts. podcasts. No, it's all about pop culture mm. um, and video games. Uh, we're gonna be talking about the solo trailer in the uh, Avengers Infinity War teaser that just dropped today at the Super Bowl. Cool. They won the Super Bowl. Oh, oh and there's a new uh, Cloverfield movie, which I'm going to try and watch yeah. tonight. I am genuinely excited about that. Did you see 10 Cloverfield Lane? I loved that. That's like one of my favorite so movies of, of the year before last. Whenever, Whenever it, it was. That yeah. was great. I hugely enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, and it's so cool that Netflix are just going to drop it. Like, it's out, it's out now. Oh, cool. You could be watching it right now. Why am I here? <laughs> um, and I have another one all about music called Old Raps. Oh, lovely. Which is uh, really, really cool. In fact, I just saw, the, I saw Black Panther on Friday. Mm-hmm. I got, got, got to a very advanced screening. How'd it go? Um, man, it's such a good movie. I'm and I, I'll, 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 I hope you please see it opening weekend so we can talk about it on the show. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually going to try and see it. Because um, there were moments in it that made me like fucking punch my fist in the air and yell, yeah, black women. Nice. <laughs> so imagine <laughs> when actual black women see it. Um, it is very <laughs> funny how many people have hit me up like, are you going to go see it? Let's go watch it. It's the first time ever that people have like... Who don't like Marvel movies actively like Let's Go Watch. Them. Yeah, it's really, really fun. Um, but the uh, coolest moment in it for me uh, was uh, like there's a, a, a few scenes set in Oakland. Oh, cool. Um, and which is a, you know, not, not so represented uh, part of America in, uh, in terms of blockbusters. Mm-hmm. And uh, normally, whenever like that, you like the, no matter where you go in a blockbuster and there's like, you know, a scene of, of, of urban youth, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. they'll always play like just like totally mismatched. Like, you know, they'll play like a New York rapper 
in a in a in a West Coast yeah, yeah, scene, yeah. and that really like, fucking irks me. Like you wouldn't believe. But in this scene, they play a classic uh, like 1992 era Two Short song, one of my favorite rappers, and so that inspired me to do an entire episode all about Oakland. Oh, lovely! Um, so that will be out uh, through my podcast, Old Raps, which you can find on uh, iTunes, etc. Um, cool. Uh, it'll be out very very soon. That's so fun. Check it out. Um, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. It's not optional. You have to do it. (laughs) We used to go easy on it, but now you have to. Yeah. Yeah. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.